It's 1998. I'm sitting with my mother on the patio of our condo. She had just finished sucking down the last bit of cigarette when she turned to me and said, Hey, there's going to be a new Star Wars movie soon. I'm blown away. I basically destroyed the original VHS tapes from watching them on repeat. It's my favorite franchise, and now we're getting more. Star Wars The Phantom Menace released on May 18th, 1999, and I fell in love. Darth Maul was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I wanted to be like Obi-Wan. I had a crush on Padme. I laughed at Jar Jar. My childhood was a troubling experience as a Star Wars fan. Growing up and realizing older folks didn't have the same unabashed love for the Star Wars prequels as I did. I was too pure. I didn't look at anything with a critical eye as I do now. Looking back on these movies, I see where they're coming from. They're full of plot holes and cheap jokes. They relied on green screen too much. It wasn't like the originals. In some ways, I respected that, but in others, it disappointed me. Regardless of these facts, I've made it my mission to defend these films. There's still a small, childlike part of me that wants to worship these movies. The good, the bad, and even the Jar Jar Binks. Are you still there? You haven't turned off, unsubscribed, and wrote a scathing one-star review? Well, good. That means, like me, you see the positives in what the clumsy Gungan brought to the screen. Or at least, you're willing to listen to my case. Because call me crazy, but I think there's still room in the Star Wars universe for more Jar Jar. Over the course of this podcast, I will interview, study, and break down how this could possibly be. How it would make sense and how it could be executed well. But first, we must answer the question. Where is Jar Jar? Lisa Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. Uh, who is Jar Jar? Jar Jar is one. Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. And Jar Jar Binks. Uh, Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. Where is Jar Jar? Produced and edited by Star Wars Podcast. My name is Tommy Pazoo, private podcaster. The tale I'm about to weave is not for the faint of heart. Turn back now or stay and get close to the Jar Jar side. It was a Saturday, 1026 in the morning to be exact. I was sitting in my office on the east side of Corellia. Could be better, could be worse. I was halfway into the tall, frothing glass of the blue stuff when I heard a knock on my door. It was Michael O'Rear, my co-host partner at Stark Wars, and friend. He seemed concerned, and I welcomed him inside. But what I heard shocked me. Tommy? Uh, we are coming. What are, what are we coming up on? Two years doing this podcast, right? Two whole years. What's time? Um, but, two. but I think it's we got to do something big. I think it, I think it's time that we we get together. We put our brains together and we kind of give back to the Star Wars community a little bit. Um, I think it's time to do a deep dive on Jar Jar Binks. Brilliant. I think that's the only thing we can do. Not nay can do. It's what we should do. 
<laughs> it is our it is our duty, really. Honestly, I think if we don't, I think the Empire comes in here. They shut this whole thing down. We need to get this going before they can come in here, Michael. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. Like, my brain is a little scrambled on this stuff. I have a lot of ideas. I have There's a lot of things I want to accomplish here. And, and I guess I can lay out you know, my brief goals here. Okay. Number one, I want to explore the initial question because we're talking about how Jar Jar could be reintroduced to the Star Wars universe. I think for that to happen, we first must figure out where Jar Jar is right now. The last thing we see, see of him canonically, I think we need to explore that. Uh, I think we also need to explore the theories uh, that have happened in the past. And I, I think, uh, Tommy, what is like, just real quick, your perception, the, the, the you grew up in the prequel area, much like me. What, what did, did you like Jar Jar as a kid? Do you still like Jar Jar? How do you feel? So uh, as a young Padawan myself, uh, I, you know, and I don't remember this exactly. I think I might have started with the prequels. I, I didn't have a big Star Wars presence in my household. So I, if I found it, I would have stumbled upon it on my own. But I think the prequels got me into it. And then I went and journeyed out and found the originals and stuff. Uh, and I remember liking Jar Jar. And then I feel like I started hating Jar Jar. But then as a teenager, I liked uh, Jar Jar ironically. And that's kind of where I'm at, where now I'm full, full on board the Jar Jar train. I see the merit and what he does. And uh, I, I will defend him to anyone, even Darth Vader. <laughs> here's the here's my thing with Jar Jar, and it has to be one of the most, it, or for a while, it seemed like the most universally agreed upon thing in all of Star Wars. You know, the fan base can be very toxic. They can, some people hate things, some thing, people love things. I think one thing everyone agreed on was hating Jar Jar, and I, and the, to a point where it was sad. Right. Um, we get we've heard interviews from uh, Ahmad, Ahmad Best, who voiced Jar Jar and I guess mo did mocap as well. Um, you know, he, much like uh, Jake Lloyd, was basically bullied, harassed uh, about this row so much so that he's opened up about like wanting to commit suicide. So like it's turned into like a very tragic story almost. And I feel like we've all come around a little bit. I did a poll on Instagram today just to see how do people feel about Jar Jar? And I got to say the majority went to people love Jar Jar. Um, and I don't think that's always the case. I think people that even voted saying I love Jar Jar didn't always like Jar Jar. I think, I think that's the most fascinating thing of like how people who have come around on Jar Jar and maybe people are listening to this right now and they haven't come around and maybe we can help them see the truth and what Jar Jar can be. Yeah, us jarheads. We've been we've been in the trenches for a while now. And uh I think we can, you know, spread awareness and, and get maybe more people on our side. And dare I say, maybe we could find a new way to implement Jar Jar in the Star Wars universe that's happening right now. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like we will get into, you know, the full history of Jar Jar, but as of right now. His story is open-ended. And I think that's one of the things that I've always liked about Star Wars is they they don't leave stories open-ended. If there is anything open-ended, they're getting to it. Uh, they don't just leave characters on the cutting room floor. And I think that's what's so fascinating about this character. I think I, it's coming. Jar Jar will be back. 
The question is when, the question is how, and if it will be executed correctly. Yeah. He's just out there. He could be doing anything. He could be a fry cook at, at a local restaurant. He could be out in the woods talking to nature. He could be at your front door right now. And that's why our question, I think, going into this, Michael, is where are you, Jar Jar? Where are you, Jar Jar? We're looking, and we're going to find you, thankfully. Yeah, please answer your door if we're, we'll knock. Well, we'll give like a little, like, maybe, okay, Jar Jar, if you hear like a do-do-do-do-do, that's us. So answer yeah. the door. Yeah, we'll have our secret Jar Jar kit. Tommy, are, are there any other goals here for you? Specifically? I, I kind of talked about my goals. Is there anything like, are there any big lingering questions, anything you want to accomplish? How can, how can you walk away from this feeling satisfied? I think my goals with Jar Jar uh, would be to discover where the disconnect. Uh, what did the developers, what, what did you know George Lucas and all, uh, what did they intend? What did they think was going to happen with Jar Jar? And looking at the results and how, how we got there. Yeah, so we're going to dive into all this. We're going to do the theories. We're, we're, we're going to go off the wall. We're going to talk about how, where he is now. We're going to talk about how he could be brought back, how he could be done. Well, I'm super excited. I, I, I might be repeating myself at this point. It's time. We're ready. No, I think we're ready. Maybe Jar Jar merchandise. Was there, was there a big Jar Jar merchandise uh, run? Tommy, there were Jar Jar lollipops, but the Jar Jar head opened up. And oh. the lollipop was the tongue. I'm not kidding. Look it up. Look up the Jar Jar lollipops. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. You're supposed to lick the lollipop with your tongue, not the tongue lollipop licking you. Yeah, it's in Soviet Russia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you're popular. Are... See, there's stuff here, Michael. I'm. The more we talk about this, the more I know this is a good idea. And how I know that if you're out there being like, this is just, uh, this is is Stark Wars selling out. They're trying to, they're working for Big Disney, trying to promote Jar Jar before he comes out in a a year because they've already been working on this. You you heard it here, stamped at 6.48 p.m. uh, Pacific time, uh, Friday, November 4th that we have no, we have not heard that there would be a Jar Jar thing, right? I, I, yeah, correct. And I think the ultimate goal here, like if if the, the one thing we get out of this, you know, let's pretend nobody listens to the podcast, nobody cares, it's a flop, the podcast sucks. If the one thing, the best thing that we could possibly get out of this is somebody important turning on this podcast and making it happen. Yeah. So, um. Anything else, Tommy? Where are you, Jar Jar? We are looking. Please don't jump in the pond. That's the first place to check is the swamps. And it really is. It's probably where he is. <laughs> Honestly, we should go right now. After listening to Michael's plea, and deciding to take on the Binks case, I had to fully immerse myself to understand how Jar Jar could return. We must learn 
where he was last seen. I had a team of slicers retrieve this once lost information on last reports of where Jar Jar was. I am proud to present a dramatic reading from Devin Stone of the Earth 894 podcast. And now it's time for a special reading from the novel Star Wars Aftermath, Empire's End, part of the Aftermath Trilogy by Chuck Wendig. Settle on in next to the warm, cozy fire provided by Master Qui-Gon Jinn and enjoy a nice, delicious cup of Bantha chai as we dive into the fate of Jar Jar Binks at the fall of the Empire. Interlude, the Naboo. They call him the old veteran, which is funny because he's only 10 years old, but he's been here longer than all the other kids. Refugees come and refugees go, all from worlds either damaged in war or where the empire was run off, leaving only chaos in the absence. Some of the children stay from one wave, two, even three, but eventually someone comes, someone fancy, and adopts them. But not Mapo. Mapo with one ear gone, half his face looking like the business end of a woodworking rasp, the scar tissue, like bad ground, runs up from his jaw over the hole that used to be his ear and to his scalp. The hair doesn't grow there. For a while, he tried growing the rest of his hair out and letting it fall over that side like a river going over a waterfall. But the maven said it just made him look even less approachable. His arm on that side too isn't so good anymore. It's bent and hanging half useless like the arm of some clumsy blurg. It works, but not well. Now he stands in the plaza of the Catalan, on the far side of the Silver Fountain. Theed is a city of plazas and fountains, but Mapo likes this one the best. The kids call it the Mountain Fountain, what with the way the jets of arcing water make the shape of a mountainous peak, a peak that towers easily over the gathered here in the plaza to watch the tic-tac birds or paint the Gallo Mountains far beyond the capital's margins. Through the spray, he hears a shape sitting on the far side, just a silhouette blurred by the rush of water. You can go talk to him, Kayana says. The young woman is one of the Naboo here. She's a minder, one of those who watch the children. No, it's okay, Mabo says. It's fine, he's busy. I'm sure he'd love to meet you. She gives him a little shove. He grunts and thinks, nobody wants to meet me. Maybe that's why Kayana is shoving him, because she's shuttling him off to someone else. He heard the miners talking a couple of weeks back, and they said he was a real downer. Still, maybe she's right, and it's not like he has anything else going on. Mapo won't be adopted today, or tomorrow, or never, ever, ever. Mapo walks the circumference of the fountain. The wind carries the mist over him, cooling him down. He lets his finger trail along the stone top of the fountain's border, drawing lines in the water that fast appear. And then there he is. The Gungan stoops down, sucking a small red fish into his mouth with a slurp. 
a tongue snakes out and licks the long, beak-like mouth, and the funny-looking figure hums a little and sucks on his fingers. Mapo clears his throat to announce his presence. <clears throat> the Gungan startles. Oh. Hello there. I. The two of them stare quietly at each other. The silence stretches. The Gungan has been here as long as Mapo has. Longer, probably. Since children started coming in by the shipload as refugees, the Gungan has served them, performing for the kids once or twice a day. He does tricks. He juggles. He falls over and shakes his head as his eyes roll around inside their fleshy stalks. He makes goofy sounds and does strange little dances. Sometimes it's the same performance repeated. Sometimes the Gungan does different things. Things you've never seen. Things you'll never see again. Just a few days ago, he splashed into the fountain center, then pretended to have the streams shoot him way up in the air. He leapt straight up, then back down with the splash. He then leapt from compass point to compass point, back and forth, before finally conking his head on the edge and plopping down on his butt. Shaking his head, tongue wagging, all the kids laughed. Then the Gungan laughed too. The clown, they call him. Bring the clown. We want to see the clown. We like it how he juggles the glombo shells, or spits fish up in the air and catches them, or how he dances around and falls on his butt. That's what the kids say. The adults, though, they don't say much about him. Or to him. And no other Gungans come to see him either. Nobody even says his name. My name's Mapo. Mr. Jar Jar. Hi, Jar Jar. You saw wantin' some bites? This a big pork fish, very good. No. Oh, okay day. The Gungan holds up a little red fish and waggles it in the air. And again, silence yawns between them like a widening chasm. The boy can see that the Gungan is older than some of the others he's seen here in Feed. Already Jar Jar's got wiggling chin whiskers dangling, not hair, but little fish skin protuberances. They dance when he moves, like when he gently brings a fish to his lips, his movement slow and hesitant, as if he's not sure he should. The Gungan is watching Mapo more than he's watching his fish though and suddenly it slips out of his hand. He tries catching it with his other hand, and the fish slips from his grip there too. He makes an alarmed squawk, and suddenly his tongue shoots from his puckered lips, capturing the fish midair and launching it into his mouth. Jar Jar winces as a little sound comes from him. Mapo laughs. Jar Jar offers a big smile, like he's not even embarrassed by it. It just makes Mapo laugh harder. Jar Jar seems pleased by the sound, as if it's music to him. So, where's our Yusa coming from? Gola Station. The blank look in the Gungan's eyes tells Mapo that he doesn't know where that is. So Mapo tells him. It's above Gullis. Gas plant in the mid-rim. The Empire was there. They used us as a refueling depot. But when they left, they decided to... Blow the fuel tanks. I guess so nobody else could have them. Take my toys and go home, that sort of thing. My mom and dad. Mapo is angry with himself that he can't say it even after all this time. The world's lodge in his chest and he just looks away. Oy my! Jar Jar shakes his head, looking down in his lap. That bear is sad making. Then his eye stalks perk up. You saw wanting to see a trick? Mapo arches his one remaining eyebrow. Okay, sure. 
The Gungan chuckles and dips his head in the fountain, filling his face with water. His beak and cheeks bulge. Maypo expects him to spit it out, but he doesn't. Instead, he seems to tighten his body, his neck thickening with tension and his eyes popping wide. Then, water sprays from the Gungan's flappy ears. As his cheeks shrink, the water comes gushing from each side of Jar Jar's head. Maypo can't help it. He laughs so hard his ribs hurt. Jar Jar doesn't laugh, but he sits back down, looking as satisfied as anybody can get. When the boy is finally done, he wipes the tears from his eyes. Maple grins. That was gross. Jar Jar gives a thumbs up. Nobody really talks to me. The boy blurts out. Misa talking to you. Yeah, I, I know. For now. And nobody else does. Nobody even wants to look at me. Mapo doesn't even feel real sometimes. Like maybe he's just a ghost. I don't even want to look at me. Jar Jar shrugs. All and nobody's talking to Misa too. I noticed that. Why don't they talk to you? Mine no so sure. Hmm. Misa thinking that cause Jar Jar making some uh oh mistakes. Big mistakes. The Ganga bosses banished me longer ago. Misa no been home in forever. And Disa Hisen Naboo think I helped the uh oh empire. For a moment, the Gungan looks sad, staring off at the unfixed point. He shrugs. I no no. Though Mapo wonders if he knows more than he's saying. I don't think you helped the Empire. Mapo says that without being sure of anything, but he doesn't get the feeling the strange fellow would have done anything like that. Not on purpose. He's just a sweet old clown. Maybe you just don't belong anywhere, like me. Maybe that okay day. Maybe it is a uh, okay day. <sighs> I don't think I'm going anywhere, Jar Jar. Mine will go somewhere either. Maybe we can go nowhere together. That bomb bad idea! Oh? Mabel dips his chin to his chest. Sorry. But Jar Jar laughs. No, bomb bad. Me smiling. We should be palos, palo. The Gungan pats the boy on the head. Mabel doesn't know what's going on, but bomb bad must mean good somehow. So he goes with it. Can you teach me how to be a clown too? Being clowning is bum bad too. My teaching you, Sir Palo. We some making the whole galaxy smiling, huh? Sounds good to me, Jar Jar. And thanks. Jar Jar gives him a thumbs up and a big grin. Palos, indeed. Now locked on Jar Jar, I needed to also know the danger I could be in. We looked into one theory that has completely taken the internet by storm. It could be a clue to what our friend is up to now. I met a fella by the name Jake O'Rear in an alley on Coruscant where we talked about Darth Jar Jar. All right, we are joined by uh, Jake, who is going to talk about Darth Jar Jar. Tommy, let me get your takes here real quick. Um, Darth Jar Jar, you, there's no way you haven't heard. Like, this theory has taken the internet by storm. You've heard about this, right? Oh, yeah. I've I've dabbled in the dark web of the Dark Jar Jar, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, this was like a hot theory, right? When the prequels were like ending, people were like, but wait, what if... What if, what if Jar Jar 
was what if it was Jar Jar Law, right? Yeah, and I think that's the big question. And like, I think the big thing that we're going to tackle here with our with our guest here, Jake. Um, my biggest question coming into this is: um, Is there any like actual canonical explanation for the things that happened, or was this like maybe a harebrained idea that they got they got scrapped, or? Um, is it exactly the way that the theory intends? So, Jake, I'm going to throw it to you. Um, if you want to just set up what you think about this theory, uh, I'd love to hear it. Yes, well, absolutely. Personally, I am not in the vein of thinking that the Darth Jar Jar is canon. But do I think that it was at one point on in a script? maybe on now on the cutting room floor. I believe that that is where a lot of um, my belief lies when it comes to Darth Jar Jar is I think, I think George Lucas had something set up and I, I have brought some notes to talk about. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think is very interesting about this. Um, there have been like, I'm, I'm sure you'll get to it, Jake. There have been like, actually like people have addressed this, you know, this is not just a fan theory. This has been, brought in front of actors, in front of directors, and they have commented on it. Um, let me ask you this, Jake. What, like, let's start out hot here. The number one thing that that, that is the most validating towards this theory, what is it? Well, to me, I think there's some big hitters, but I think what may have sparked this was the big, what could be seen as a blunder upon Jar Jar's part. I mean, imagine that, Jar Jar having a blunder. Uh, is that he gave Palpatine emergency powers during Attack of the Clones, which he did not let go of in Revenge of the Sith. And thus for, after he had control on Anakin, he turned the Grand Army of the Republic into the Empire's army. Um, so that was, that, was, that was the first domino of a big, big line that that set Palpatine into big power. And if Palpatine didn't have that power, if no one gave him that power, you know, who knows? Empire may have never existed. Was it his plan? Was it not? Mm -hmm. It's up to interpretation. Yeah, I, th I think there's there's two ways to read this. And number one, it's that um, it's the it's the straight up Darth Jar Jar theory. He was evil. He, he was in on the emperor. He wanted to give the emperor power. But I, I, honestly, I think the biggest hole in this one is that you set it up. Jar Jar is super clumsy. And I think Palpatine was able to identify that in him, bring him in close and manipulate him. Tommy, do you do you lean one way or the other on this? Well, I'll argue about the clumsiness. It to me always, even as a kid, I remember there's specifically one scene in Phantom Menace where he's like jumping out of the window and the way he does it, it always felt like, intentional clumsiness and and to that degree i think there's more to jar jar i do i think i'm more on the side of, of jake where it's like i think it was in the script uh, at some point uh and i i think uh bits that people are picking up on is the bits that stayed the little crumbs of jar jar uh jake have you heard anything about some of the things uh, Ahmad Best and George Lucas said about this. Yeah. So in my research, I did see that Ahmad Best had a tweet at one point, something along the cord of um, 
you know, it's finally nice when people start realizing the true potential of your character, not not potential, but true uh, meaning of your character, which was such an ominous kind of sneaky line. It was a little it was almost shady. You know, what was the what were they setting up? Um, Amada even posted a uh, a picture of what the original uh, title for Attack of the Clones was episode two, that being Jar Jar's adventure, maybe set him up to be a little more of a hero before they turn him into what may have been Anakin's arc. You're kidding me. Jar- that's that's a, that's real. I'm blown. This is like one of the biggest discoveries. Attack of the Clones was supposed to be like a Jar Jar centric movie. In 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 the beginning, I didn't look too. I like I said, there's a lot that is there's a lot of moving parts here. I didn't look too much into it, but I did see a screenshot of Ahmad Best's Twitter with that with with the script cover and circled Jar Jar's adventure. <laughs> Unreal, uh, <laughs> Tommy. What what is a because I think our whole thing here is like you know what what do we get out of this podcast? What if we were to motivate Disney in any way? What would we do? Would it be a Jar Jar show? Would it be a Jar Jar cameo? Um, right here, it sounds like we almost had a Jar Jar movie, so that doesn't even seem off the board at this point. Yeah, it's like, I think it's interesting to see that they put so many eggs in the Jar Jar basket, and they really jumped off that train, and I don't think they necessarily should have. I think there was something to salvage here, and and but... Going off your, your comments uh, from from him, I, also George Lucas made comments. I mean, I remember it was around the press of Phantom Menace in, in the beginning of Jar Jar. George Lucas thought Jar Jar was the next coming of, do, you know, wait, kids, Jar Jar is going to be your favorite character. Is the key of the prequels is what he said. Key of the prequels. Watching the prequels, I don't feel that. So something happened between from what George Lucas wanted and and what ended up coming onto the screen? I think it's very clear that, you know, whether there were these master plans to make him a Sith or not, um, Jar Jar was intended to almost be like, you know, the Chewbacca of this trilogy. And due to the fan reaction, I totally see where they push him back. I I guess the question is, you know, how much? Um, Jake, I'm going to throw it to you. Is there uh, any other, uh, what's another big uh, selling point for you on this theory? So, Star Wars is all about inspiration, right? You know, George had a lot of ideas going into the original trilogy. Um, You know, it's very, it's got some Western vibes, but people don't often talk about how it's very much also samurai movies and very much heavily inspired by samurai movies. The Jedi themselves are based off monks, which I think is pretty interesting. You know, they talk about in old mythology about a, uh, the, the young adventurer on the road stumbling across what might seem like an idiot, an unsuspecting hero of the day, guiding them along the lines of, uh, of winning, winning the big battle. And in the originals in Empire, that was Yoda. You know, he played dumb. He played stupid. Now, if you think about it, George going into the prequels really wanted kind of a shadow um, opposite of what the originals were. You know, our hero became the villain. and so uh, the the republic we trusted became awful the gungan we thought was a clumsy dummy was he a sith was that an originally in the intention of his inspiration 
Uh, I mean, like I said, the Jedi were based off monks, and there is a, another type of monk form um, that uses a combat that demonstrates clumsy, clumsiness as kind of a uh, throw-off, you know, make people think that they're, um, you know, a little dumb so they can go in for the strike, you know what I mean? So this is interesting to me. I hear, like, you know, the mirrored uh, reflection. I guess, you know, here I am. I'm the devil's advocate of the theory. What are the odds that they just intended him to become a Jedi by the end? You know, I mean, I think a lot of these characteristics, you know, it's Star Wars. It rhymes. You know, Jar Jar very much acting like a fool as, as Yoda did when we first met him. Um, again, I think we'll talk about like some of his fighting style, very similar to that of a Jedi with how high he can jump and some of the things he does. Tommy, what do you think? Could that be a possibility? What maybe, maybe because you know, even with the comments we get from Ahmad Best and George Lucas, nobody particularly says that he was evil. I think they're saying there is more to the character, and maybe it's just a Jedi, Jedi Jar Jar, JJJ. And, and that's a possibility. I don't know if that saves Jar Jar for people, though, because I think, for me at least, the part that entices me about Jar Jar being a, a Sith is the fact that the goofiness, which I think is a problem uh, as we continue on, we can see if that's true, but uh, is a problem for people with Jar Jar. And I think like the dark, the Sith part makes it like, oh, it was all intentional. I don't know if you can do that if he's supposed to be a Jedi at the end. I think he's just a goofy Jedi, and I think people are like rolling their eyes over the fact that a Jar Jar like character was able to become a Jedi. That's my only thought there. I think it could be a possibility. I don't know if it's a good choice. Like to be honest, I think they made the best choice, and that's where they were going to go with it. Uh, I think what I get hung up on is the Palpatine of it all. Uh, if if we believe that Jar Jar isn't the Sith, then Palpatine really was banking on luck. Uh, to to get this and, and Palpatine as we see is always like 20 steps ahead especially in the new trilogy somehow he's miraculously able to do all this amazing stuff uh, so to me that's the part that also like backs up this theory uh, is is the Palpatine of it all what do you guys think so if I may I'm going to bring some canon examples of Sith um, breaking the rules you know kind of along that line is that you know, the rule of two has been pretty steady in canon since Darth Bane, the one who instilled it. Hold on. Now, Have you set up the rule of two just for anybody listening that doesn't know what the rule of two is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, For a long time in the Old Republic, uh, roughly thousands of years before the prequel movies, uh, there were thousands of Sith. There were academy. The Sith were just like the Jedi. They were guardians of their religion. They were huge, mass spread. There were different sects of uh sith and so you know they start to dwindle down as soon as the jedi start to win their battles it comes down to what was a commander for the army of the republic um who who, who figures out he's force sensitive turns to the dark side and once they're whittled down he realizes they're we can't win this battle by numbers we need to win it in the shadows which the sith have always been so he decided that there's only ever going to be two Sith. That would be a master and an apprentice. Once the apprentice is strong enough to believe he can kill his master, he kills his master, becomes the master himself, and then finds a new apprentice. So therefore, um, the speaking inside of the rule of two, I mean, we get we have gotten Sith assassins. We have gotten, you know, Palpatine playing from the shadows. You know, creating Snoke to be kind of an offshoot of the Sith, um, and 
and hire not hiring but um taking in kylo you know sith often act in strange ways you know they don't always abide by the rules especially thousands of years after the rules were made did palpatine even know about jar jar was jar jar above anybody's plane of thinking was jar jar just so powerful that they could never sense him and sense such such a threat was jar jar bringing on something even worse than the empire than the sith itself fascinating yeah and that uh very good points um i i think the rule of two is always something that like i look at and i'm it, it's always a little good especially when you get into the clone wars of all there's like six major Siths in that show uh and then you start you start talking about the inquisitors it's like a you know they're sith inquisitors are they does are they not you know the the rule of two it's been fudged a lot i i think uh it's a lot of gray area there yeah it doesn't dooku like kind of have an assistant but not really because it's like it it doesn't technically count but it's the same thing as having an apprentice like come on star wars you (laughs) to play devil advocate all i'm gonna say is that a lot of the time they use special words in their titles to kind of get around it the idea is there's only two sith lords you know kind of reigning champs of the sith though that's kind of um strange even though they're like you guys mentioned sith inquisitors sith um uh assassins or a dark jedi you know as we see in barris so uh jake do you want to throw another point at us here um the rest of my points um are all kind of just minor hints at the strength of his ability you know we've talked a lot about him systematically taking down the republic and um overthinking the the main who who we think is the main sith himself palpatine um i i want to point out the fact that man can jump uh 20 feet in the air um now that could be a gungan thing we'll say you know what we'll say it's a gungan thing right what about when he was trying to use the force to break the hyperdrive in phantom menace now, I know it sounds strange, but you do see him fiddling in the hyperdrive room for a little bit. And R2 even bumps into him, you know, kind of nudging him, being like, what are you doing, dude? And Jar Jar clumsiness goes, oh, I'm sorry. And R2 goes off. Now we can say that's clumsiness. Um, You know, fanning the flames to Anakin, saying that, you know, Padme's hot, which is like basically a direct line from uh, Phantom Menace. Uh, We also have sensing jedi before they even come in the room there is a shot and i think it's attack of the clones where anakin and obi-wan are coming up the elevator and jar jar doesn't get a call that they're there he's walking to the elevator to greet them he knows they're coming and that's that's a little more on his uh, strength my favorite one is that often you see in pivotal scenes where jar jar's talking to padme about the the clone army or in phantom menace when he's talking to the gungan I suppose you'd call him king. He's often convincing them with a lot of hand waving. Something we do see Jedi, and I'm assuming we've seen Sith do the same of. Force mind tricks. You know, making them abide by his will. And so that he can hit those dominoes on the way to electing Palpatine to emergency powers. And again... Fair points. Again, like, you know, you get the jumping, you get the hand-waving. Like, I'm just saying, I'm not ruling out the uh, JJJ of it all. Um, Jake, yeah, Tommy. 
Do you want that though, Mike? Like, let me throw it back to you. Do you want Jar Jar Jedi? That's what we're trying to figure out here, Tommy. I don't know what I want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, me neither. I, think, I feel like we're sampling a bunch of different tastes yeah. of Jar Jar. I'm like, ooh, like which ones? And by the end of this, we'll figure out which taste is our, it fits our palate. Um, but I hear you. I, I think right now, like, there's a lot of good points on both sides. Uh, I think for me, um, I'm I'm intrigued by what could have been with Dark Jar Jar. I, I think there is potential there. So I, I got I got a question for each of you to kind of close this out. Um, and I, I'll throw it to Tommy first. Tommy, because, you know, the whole point of this, where where is Jar Jar? What's he up to? What's he doing? Let's say we come back to him and he is he is engaged in force powers uh, more deeply. Would you rather see him come back as a Sith or a Jedi? If we're going down this path, would you rather, would, would that redemption arc, bringing Jar Jar back, what is it light or dark side based on what they did with jar jar based on uh, now where i'm sitting i would say a i could see almost like uh the the monk from rogue one kind of path for him where he's now in a remorse for what he did where it's like he's down this jedi uh monk path of like i did this horrible sin by putting palpatine in uh place i think that's an interesting narrative i think there could have been potential you know, throwing this out here, instead of bringing Palpatine back for the 20th time, have Jar Jar come back in the, you know, obviously make it make sense, but have Jar Jar come back as the, the Sith in the new saga. Connect those those small seeds you planted in Phantom Menace. Bring back that plot that you were too afraid to, to you cowards were too afraid to pursue, and uh, it could have been spicy. Yeah. All right, Jake. And, and now I'm, I'm going to ask you the same question but it's going to be more broad um you don't have to be tied down to the force theory or the sith theory um wh where would you like to see jar jar make a return would you like a maybe it's a jar jar prequel maybe it's jar jar in the future maybe it's uh you know uh maybe you want to see him in like the galactic senate fooling around uh what would how what how do we bring jar jar back and make it good that's my question I I'm going to give two answers if that's okay. Two that I'm one I'm okay with and one that I think I'd really like. The one I'm okay with is full send it. Tommy said it. If we're bringing back Palpatine, let's bring back Jar Jar, but let's make him like like show his true colors. Drop the clumsiness. The he's caught red-handed and he is a monster. I want the most monstrous we've ever seen a Star Wars character, more monstrous than Anakin in the temple. But my real answer is, honestly, I would love to see um, maybe towards the Resistance v. First Order era is I want to see him as a guerrilla fighter, kind of old, grizzled, and like Tommy said, remorseful for his actions and going to make up for it. Because we know roughly in the Aftermath trilogy, he's supposedly up to talking to some ch kids, so he may have not been involved in the Rebellion, but I think by the time he sees that villainous first order, you know, more uh, scum and villainy, if you will, come back into the galaxy. I want to see him as a guerrilla fighter, like all out guns blazing, grenades throwing, just taking those troopers out. Awesome. Well, Jake, thank you so much for joining us and, and laying this theory out for us. So much fun. Any final words here from you guys? All hail Darth uh, Jar Jar. 
Uh, I'm just excited to continue thinking about this after we get off this call. I, I'm, I think I'm deep in the dark Jar Jar now, and, and it's going to take some other of our guests to get me out of this dark hole I'm in, Michael. Oh, no, not dark Tommy. <laughs> this is not the new theory. He's got yes, that hood on Yes, yes. <laughs> I will say I did have a lot of fun researching this theory, kind of getting in the nitty gritty, looking at some old tweets. Um. It was a whole bunch of fun, even though I'm not a real big component. I do believe that maybe it was in the works at some point. And you know what? Good on George. You know, this Star Wars has always been kind of a younger property. And Jar Jar is this face of that. Though Star Wars is enjoyed by many, it's, you know, it's it's been very rarely adult films. Like for like R-rated. It's never been R-rated. So I think it's very cool that like, you know, that that idea may have been tossed around at one point. I had a blast with this. Greg Dunlap is one of the most fiercely opinionated Star Wars fans I know. Whether you agree with everything he says or not, he brings an undying passion and love for the franchise that is unmatched. I thought he might open up my mind and make the picture more clear, so I sent out reporter and client Michael O'Rear to get the scoop. Here's Greg's opinions on Jar Jar Binks. And he even presents a theory that questions the entire foundation of which this investigation stands. Greg, thank you so much for doing this. When, when I was thinking of like people, I like, you know, some of the best Star Wars fans to come and talk on this very important topic, I was like, <laughs> there's one person that like, <laughs> Greg, in a way, I, I don't want you to take this bad, but you're kind of a purist. Like, I think you're more skeptical towards a lot of things. So, you know, we had never talked about Jar Jar one-on-one, but I was like, there's no way Greg does not have a Jar Jar opinion. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, my Jar Jar feelings are kind of a journey. Um, like many, I despised Jar Jar in um, the prequels, uh, you know, I think that Jar Jar is a character that's like, are you familiar with the uh, Frank Grimes episode of The Simpsons? Uh, no, unfortunately not, because I, I do consider myself a Simpsons fan, but I think so I'm lacking there. <laughs> in an early Simpsons episode, um, Homer gets a coworker named Frank Grimes, and Frank Grimes comes to despise Homer, because no matter how stupid or dumb or idiotic or how much he puts his own life at risk, like Homer always comes out okay in the end. Like he's got a wife, he's got a family, he's got a, he's got a house, he's got a car, and he's the biggest moron in the world, but everything always turns out okay for Homer. And, and this drives Frank Grimes literally to his grave. And I think that's how most people, myself included, felt about Jar Jar. It's like Jar Jar is this bumbling idiot who somehow, despite being a bumbling idiot, everything works out for. And it's infuriating. And um, and especially in the context of Star Wars, like comedic relief was never really part of the Star Wars universe before this. And I'm, I mean, there's an argument about whether or not Jar Jar was meant or not meant to be comedic relief, but you know, it was he was definitely lighthearted already. Like, you know, the Ewoks being lighthearted had been controversial in Jedi. Um, I think there was probably a perception that Jar Jar was there to sell merch, you know, just to create more characters. And so 
um, I think like a lot of people, I didn't really, I wasn't really into Jar Jar. And I think that really started to change for me when I started watching, um, when I started watching the Clone Wars series, which happened fairly recently, really only within the last couple of years when I started to do the deep dive into the other Star Wars franchises. And he's still a bumbling idiot for, for whom everything works out all the time. But I think that it kind of just, it kind of extended the character and made me more positive on him, his role in the Galactic Senate, you know, there are some episodes where, you know, he is actually a little more than a bumbling idiot. Like he's actually a quality part of the character. It also offered an opportunity to bring the Gungans as a race into the Star Wars universe, which I think overall was a pretty positive, um, was a pretty positive thing. I, I think there are a couple of episodes in particular in Clone Wars that deal with the Gungans and their place in the Star Wars universe that I think are really cool. Um, and so I, you know, I, I'd say that overall, I, I've grown to appreciate, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that Jar Jar is my favorite character in the Star Wars universe by any means, but I've definitely grown to have an appreciation for Jar Jar over time. Greg, this is so funny, because I'm sure we could go back to what, uh, 18 months ago-ish, when you were going through this big Star Wars rewatch, and we right. would have conversations about the Clone Wars, and I'm fairly certain at some point I said <laughs> skip the Jar Jar episodes. <laughs> I'm sure that you did. I'm sure that you did, because you. I know you've got that spreadsheet that talks about which Clone Wars uh, episodes to watch, and I'm fairly certain that that spreadsheet does in fact skip every single Jar Jar episode. <laughs> but no, but my, if I have one toxic trait, it's complete completionism, and uh, so I had to watch everything. And look what happened. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. This, Greg, as much as this is a podcast about Jar Jar, I'm the host, you know, you, I, I've come into this way more agnostic on the idea, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think all of the Jar Jar stuff is great. What I do think is we could get to that point. We, I think we can get back to a place where Jar Jar is good. Um, and I feel like I have a bit of optimism for that. So while I might be skeptical of the things in the past, I think a lot of this is about how do we improve Jar Jar Binks? How can we bring Jar Jar Binks back? How would it make sense? And Greg, I want to get your opinion on this. Like, um, what, what would feel right to you? Like, what would be the thing bringing Jar Jar back? Like, would it make sense? It plays well. It's at the right time. You know, is it, should it be a movie, a TV show? Where do you land on all this? I don't think Jar Jar as a character can support a franchise of its own, except perhaps a very, very kids-oriented franchise, like even more kids-oriented than, um, uh, God, I'm forgetting, not Rebels, the other cartoon series. Uh, Resistance? Or... Resistance, yes. Or is yes. Destiny even, even kiddier? <laughs> yeah, um, and so... I think that could be possible, but uh, but I would like to see the more serious side of Jar Jar explored. Like, I want to see Jar Jar become a political force in the Star Wars universe. I want to see Jar Jar's, you know, interactions and work with the Senate where, you know, by Clone Wars times, he seems to have at least become a fairly respected um, member of the Senate. 
I'd like to see that explored more. Like, like let's turn Jar Jar away from being a joke and turn him into an actual rich multifaceted character. And then that's something I can get behind, you know? Because even with the advancements in Clone Wars, he's still kind of a one-note, a one-note character. And I think that's the part that's kind of a bummer. So, and I think that's the thing. It's like, I've heard a lot of different things about Jar Jar. You know, I think that they're Jar Jar purists. Um, and then there are people that think Jar Jar needs like a radical change in character. Um, and, and I think there's somewhere in between there where like, there are issues with Jar Jar and we can tweak those things, but there is still the spirit of Jar Jar that we don't really, I wouldn't really want to get rid of, you know? Um, I think, I think there are theories that, you know, Jar Jar is, is evil. There, there are theories that he could be more of a badass type character, but at the end of the day, it's like, is it even Jar Jar at that point? Like, I feel like there still is, like, is it nostalgia, Greg? I don't know. Like I said, I'm still working through my own feelings on this. No, I, um, I agree with you. I think, like, like, you know, I know about this fan theory that Jar Jar was supposed to be the evil background character in the prequels. And, you know, I don't really buy it. It's just like, I mean, it would kind of explain why they went so over the top making him a comic relief character to, you know, surprise everybody to turn out he's, he's evil. But I don't know. It doesn't fit for me. You know, and I, I think of it like one of the things I really loved about Book of Boba Fett is like in the original Star Wars, the Tuscans are kind of just like, you know, animals who, you know, beat up on people and steal things, right? And in Book of Boba Fett, they were expanded and you learned about their culture and how they live and what they are as a people. And that was like my, literally my favorite part of Book of Boba Fett was like learning about the Tuscan culture. And I think you could do the same kind of thing with Jar Jar, where it's like Jar Jar doesn't have to change who Jar Jar is, but adding some, some depth and some background, let's, let's hear about Jar Jar's history, you know, um, I bet Jar Jar had a troubled childhood that turned that's like makes him want to be the comic relief. It's like, where did this all come from? And I think that there's like some depth to the character that could be added that would improve things and and him in, in fans' minds quite a bit. Now, if you were to go back in time like 15, I don't know, 15, maybe 20 years ago, and like tell your past self that my favorite part of the book of boba fett tv show is the tuscan raiders uh <laughs> i don't know i don't know how younger greg would react i mean it would be the thing is it's like the tuscans were like it the tuscans back then were like boba fett back then it was just like background you know it's not anybody ever anybody gave any thought about like it's amazing to me thinking back that Boba Fett even had a figurine, right? Like, like Boba Fett was such a tiny part. I mean, I guess not a tiny part, like capturing and hand solo and stuff is like not a tiny part, but on the other hand, um, the whole, the whole, like, like it, it was not a big character in that movie. So thinking about, thinking about, you know, the fact that he came into a show at all, is mind blowing, like like that they're breaking out all these characters. So it's kind of like two of the same things. It is it is kind of amazing. Yeah, um, I I think that's what's um, kind of scary about this concept for the podcast altogether is that you know it's sometimes Star Wars will just do things until they kill it and then move yeah. on to the next thing. Um, and Jar Jar, 
I think is the opposite of that. Maybe like Boba Fett was super cool. And then we dove into the character a little bit more. It's like, maybe I just liked the Boba Fett that kind of stood around and looked cool. Right. Like, should I need to hear like all of his thoughts and feelings? I don't know. I, is, is, could there be a bit of that with Jar Jar? Again, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's he, we could, uh, we could just have Jar Jar until it's good, I guess. Oh, let's, let's, let's not, let's not beat around the bush here. I think there are way more ways to do Jar Jar wrong than right. I'm just saying there are ways to do Jar Jar right, you know? Um, and I think that, but I mean, that's true of most things probably. So I wanted to um, uh, ask you about like, you know, I think you have a better memory of the prequel era than I did. And, and kind of the more, because when I was watching the prequels, I was like, I'm like, uh, oh, it's, this is so fun. I didn't really have a critical eye towards it at all. Um, but I'm curious, like, what was like a lot of the buzz, especially around, you know, the early days with Phantom Menace, you know, with maybe a focus on Jar Jar as well. But like, what, what was your perception of how things were as a Star Wars fan at that time? I think that the perception that I remember of around Phantom Menace was obviously there was a lot of talk about Jar Jar and it was all bad, like pervasive, constant mockery of Jar Jar. That's, that was for sure a huge part of it. I think there was also a lot of talk about how the performances felt really kind of like wooden. Um, and I think that one of, I, and my theory about that has always been that this was very, very, very early in the era of green screen acting. And that like, you know, there are scenes, I, I actually think this one was in um, Attack of the Clones where like, Padme and Anakin are like eating and, and Anakin is floating around a piece of apple that he has to pick out of the air or whatever. And it's like, none of that stuff actually existed. And it's like, actors were just learning how to interact in environments and act in environments where they had absolutely no context, sometimes even of each other in the room, right? And so I think that was a big part of why that, a lot of that stuff didn't land. But I'll also say that I think a lot of times, like, and this is a problem I have with a lot of modern Star Wars movies, that there are a lot of action sequences in those movies that exist only to be action sequences. Like, when I think of the action sequences in the original trilogy, they all played a critical part in advancing the story. And I think it's hard when you already have the story, like, like the, the end point of this trilogy was known in advance, and you're just kind of trying to pile things on to get there. Like, like I think that was a big problem with that as well. Um, but I mean, the, the overall fan reaction was definitely negative. People weren't that into it, um, and particularly towards Jar Jar. Yeah, it's so sad too, um, because here's the thing, like when you look back on, when I look back on these movies, you know, I, we cover Marvel movies on here. There's stuff in these prequels that look better than things in modern movies look, right? Uh, I think it's really phenomenal some of the things that they captured. Um, you know, everything from, you know, a fully CGI character, which that is like, you know, it's more commonplace mm -hmm. now, but at the time, it was, like that that's kind of wild in and of itself. And so, yeah, it's like, Maybe maybe in the moment things didn't feel as great, and I think the big thing is because I've seen like memes. It's like why does why do the prequels feel like there's no heart to them? And it's like right. a picture of like Obi Wan just surrounded by uh, green, green screen, screen. Yeah. and it's like well yeah, it's kind of hard to be in them. It's kind of hard to be on you know Naboo when <laughs> your yeah. entire surrounding is virtual. So I get that. 
Yeah, I will say that on my rewatch, I felt a little better about Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. But man, Revenge of the Sith is still terrible. That that movie, it's just like the thing that I well, we're getting off topic from Jar Jar here, but it's like the the fact that Order 66 is given so little context in Revenge of the Sith is is like the, it's it's just like mind blowing to me because it's like this is the central moment in the entire Star Wars universe and it's reduced down to Palpatine in 10 seconds saying execute order 66 and all the Jedi's dying it's like there's no setup for it there's no background there's very little fallout and it's like it's just it just blows my mind I hate it anyways Greg that's why I had you here because you are not going to come with any like mild takes I, I think people are going to be shocked to hear you say that I think that's probably uh, you know the most beloved movie of the prequels Really? Ugh. Oh, no. I will I this... will tell you I will tell you one other thing that really bothered me about the prequels, which is also off topic from Jar Jar, but it's it's very much in line with one of the things that I rant to you about constantly about the Star Wars universe. And that's that the force wielders in the prequels seem so much more powerful than the force wielders in the original trilogy. Like, you know, like like blocking laser blasts with their double you know, lightsabers and, and flying away, you know, 40 droids with a wave of the hand while they're doing it, you know? It's like, it's like we have Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi fighting it out in a very, very simple lightsaber ba battle in the original movie. And then, you know, you know, Luke and, and Vader going at it a little more, a little farther in Empire Strikes Back, but like nothing on the order of what you see even Padawans doing in the original trilogy. And that that's always bothered me a lot. Yeah. Uh... You know, I, I feel like I could find a way to headcanon that, but I'll... I'm like, sure. <laughs> I'm good at that. That's my thing. Greg, I want, as we close out here, I want, I want, like, I want you to paint the picture for me. Uh, I want your final prediction. Where is Jar Jar showing up? When is Jar Jar showing up? And how is he showing up? I will Maybe you don't have to get that specific, but, you know. I think that Jar Jar is going to show up very, very soon. In fact, I think that Jar Jar is going to show up tomorrow stop okay we <laughs> so greg this we're, we're recording this we're still a few weeks out from when i'm actually going to post this so and i you've, you're touching on something that has absolutely scared me to my core okay because i saw a theory the other day just to tell everyone when we're talking this is the night before the andor finale right right um i saw a theory people think that jar jar is going to show up in andor um, and the, I think the big the big thing that I had heard was that uh, on the, the the prison planet or whatever there was a shot of two moons and the planet is also oh, a moon mm -hmm. and the only planet we know about that has three moons is Naboo and one of the n moons is unnamed so a lot of people think that he was just you know a planet top away from Naboo which would make that connection but I want to hear you why how how why do you think he's going to show up in Andor tomorrow? See, what I think more is that, you know, we've got all of these scenes with Mon Mothma and the Galactic Senate. You know, she's on Coruscant. And we know that at this point, Jar Jar is alive and very, very likely still a part of the Galactic Senate. Like, the Galactic Senate is still a thing that exists still, you know, at least on paper, trying to fight the Empire as part of the political process, even while they know that, 
it is pointless. So it would make sense that Jar Jar is on Coruscant at these Senate sessions. I'm actually a little surprised we didn't get like a cameo of, you know, of Jar Jar or Bail Organa or somebody like, you know, somebody, some of the other people that we know of from the Senate in any of the scenes with Mon Mothma at the Senate. And so that's kind of like my theorizing is that, you know, this is how Jar Jar would work himself back into Andor. So here's my pitch. And I know the people listening now, they're like, we already know what happened. Listen, I like oh, I said, yeah. this is... And I'm sure they also hate me for bringing this into the universe. No, no, here's the thing. Uh, th this cameo could ruin the entire podcast that I've spent the last month making, Greg. <laughs> uh, so this is very important to me right now. Uh, I am very worried about it. I mean, it, it, I, it would be a good twist for the podcast, I suppose, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, but no, I, I think here, here's my take. I, I'm going to say Jar Jar is not going to show up, and I don't think he's going to show up because I don't think Andor is that type of show. I don't think the Andor is the type of show with the background characters or like, hey, here's this qu quirky line from this character we know or you know, I, I feel like if Andor is going to have the cameo, they're going to it's going to they're going to service it well. It's going to have to be a a pretty decent sized chunk of the episode, and you know we've got so much to wrap up already. I I would almost I would almost be you know as somebody who's kind of advocating for Jar Jar to come back. I think I'm saying no to Andor. I think we need because I've loved Andor so much. I think it's time we need to keep Andor Andor, and maybe Jar Jar can show up in like Book of Boba Fett season two. That's like Jar Jar's spot. I mean, you're right that um, that Andor has not been the kind of show that pays lip service to quick, you know, off-the-cuff cameos, you know. And when we have had known characters from the universe, they've become major parts of the storyline, like Saul Guerra and Mon Mothma. But, um, but I, um, but you know, I also think that there is a reason to believe that you know, in a show that's about the formation of the rebellion, I think there's every bit of evidence to conclude that Jar Jar had a part to play in that formation. And if you were, and I could also see an entire, you know, an entirely reasonable argument being made that, that you know, Jar Jar deserves the space that Andor would give to someone like Jar Jar, who was on the Galactic Senate, who is part of forming the Rebellion, who is a known character in the Star Wars universe, to you know make 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 space for them in in that show. Awesome. Well, Greg, thank you so much for doing this. This was this was such a blast. Any final words? Any final thoughts to the people out there? No, I uh, I would just say that I think that uh, you know Jar Jar as a character is you know misunderstood and deserves a deserves some reevaluation in terms of where the fandom uh where he sits within the fandom awesome all right greg thank you so much thank you over the course of our research we've run into so many issues that we often wondered if this character should even be found this interview might change our entire motivations with this podcast altogether Jar Jar has been the center of backlash for portrayal of racial stereotypes. Michael stumbled across a TikTok that broke this down extremely well. So we asked the creator, George Thompson, to discuss the topic with us. Are you a big Star Wars fan? 
So I actually thought about this, um, and I feel like there's a thing that should be normalized, which is somebody just being allowed to be a fan because it brought them joy. So, like, I feel like there's a lot of things like Lord of the Rings or, like, Harry Potter, like, there's certain things or Star Trek and Star Wars where they're like, are you a fan? And it doesn't just mean, like, hey, I saw those three movies and I liked them. I saw those other movies and I liked those two. They're like, no, no, no. Are you a fan? Do you know who, like, what's the guy that was at the end of, uh, the, at, at the end of the, not the Mandalorian, the other one, Boba Fett. Like uh, the real cool looking guy. I think he's like, he has a super cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Cad Bane. Like, I've never heard of that guy. I was like, he's cool. I see him there and he's cool, but I never heard of him. But like a Star Wars fan, I'm like, you're not a true Star Wars fan unless you know who that is. And you're like, well, I just liked it. I saw the movies and I liked them. I didn't I didn't feel the need to like dive into everything in all the books. It just bring me joy. If I see a Star Wars game, I'll play it. It brings me joy, you know? That's a good way to look at it because I, I hear what you're saying and a lot of Star Wars fans are gatekeepers and that they see, like, they feel like the way they understand Star Wars is better than how other mm -hmm. people understand it. Therefore, they think that, like, when I ask you that, I guess my my question was more so like, you know, you know do you watch TV shows, that kind of stuff. But like, if you tell me I've only seen seven movies and I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You're a Star Wars fan, you know. It's like I'm yeah, not, yeah. it's not for me to decide if like you're you're capable of being a Star Wars fan, you know. One of the first questions on my Star Wars week, uh, one of the ones that like I was like, I think I might be, uh, I think I might not be home. Is one of the first questions was like, Hey, it says this is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but they're speaking in English. Why is that? One of the very first comments was like. What are you, an idiot? The second comment was, obviously, he's never seen the movies before. Like, what? I just asked no quite, you know? And it's that, and, and I do make the differentiation between somebody trying to gatekeep and somebody like maybe that's their fandom and they want to correct the information. You know, like, let's say I was like, yeah, Luke was totally cool when he used all his magic powers and his lightning, and somebody being like, Actually, he doesn't really use the force lightning because that's on the other side. Like, really, oh, well, thank you for the correction. As opposed to, like, doesn't Luke use lightning? It's like, well, you never read book 262. So I do see the difference between gatekeeping and, like, somebody, you know, trying to spread the knowledge about their thing. But I think the, the main difference is somebody saying, you're not a fan if you haven't dot, dot, dot it. Right, exactly. And that's that's a really good way of putting it. Um, so uh, now that we're, 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 we're into this interview here, uh, uh, the, re the reason I asked you to be here is, is you had this take. And this is a thing that, like, because we're doing a deep dive into Jar Jar Binks. We're talking all about the character. We're talking mm -hmm. about the theories. We're talking about the criticism. We're talking about everything. And um, there, the one thing that stood out to me, because I, what I did, I searched Jar Jar Binks on mm -hmm. TikTok, and your video came up. So um, it was a very powerful video to me because it was a perspective that, like, I could never truly comprehend in the way that someone like you could. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I have to talk to you. I, I like, I'm so fascinated by this, and I, I feel like not only is it completely valid the things that you said. Um, but like, I want I want to hear more about it. I want to learn. And a lot of our a lot of our discussions here is about like 
can we bring Jar Jar Binks back and make him better than he was before? Right? And so I feel like, thing. yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I got so excited. I was like, let me go. No, no, come on, come on. <laughs> bring it up. So uh, what I was gonna say was, uh, so I watched the, the the movies when I was a kid, and again as a kid, I'm like, ah, Jar Jar Banks, look at him, he's going around, but you know, in the same way as like you're happy to see a movie, you're not looking at it for a critical analysis or anything like that. Um, as a grown up going through and watching the movies with my kids, because you know you want to share it, like I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, huh, <laughs> yeah. huh. and here's the thing. Um, Oddly enough, before it even got to Jar Jar, because I'm watching Phantom Menace, uh, and before it gets to Jar Jar, it gets to, I think they're called the Nemoidians. I'm probably mispronouncing that right. Yeah, that's that, enough. <laughs> yes. so, so, so they get to them, and they have what is, and in my mind, I was like, those are very distinct somebody East Asian outfits on. And, you know, like, and, like, that very sinister, like, ah, I'm so inscrutable and evil, you know, like, type of type of vibe. And I was like, okay, coincidence enough. But when Jar Jar came on, and, like, uh, not even just Jar Jar talking, but, like, him talking to the other Gungans, uh, one of the people that I work with is Jamaican. Uh, and I sat, like, she sat on a cubicle behind mine for, like, five years. And so I could hear, like her talking on the phone with like family or something like that and slipping in from talking, you know, well, I'm not going to say regular, but like standard English to talking in Jamaican Patois. I'm not sure if you're familiar with like Jamaican Patois and like how they talk. It's English. Yeah. It is English in the same way as Jar Jar Binks is talking in English, but like how they say certain things, like instead of me, there was, uh, instead of me, they say may, or, you know, or like my, the same way as Jar Jar talks. Like, there's certain words where, like, they'll cut it up. They'll cut up certain syntaxes, and it looks incredibly similar. Like, I think if, like, somebody took it and structured it the same way as, like, somebody took Cleon and was like, well, let's dissect this and see what language and how the structure works, I'm very sure that it would look exactly like Jamaican Patois. Ironically, I also work with someone who's Jamaican, so I to I, I I definitely relate to like the things you're saying, and I totally see the parallels too. So um, I think it's totally uh, uh, a valid thing. I want to no. talk about though, like, yeah, go ahead. I, I keep cutting you off, but I no, please. I brought to you nobody. Listen, this audience—they've heard enough of me speak. So please, at any point, what do you? What do you I, I was just gonna say that that, that in and of itself isn't to me a bad thing at all. What say the the Nemordian, to me personally, to myself, I can't speak for anybody. What say the Nemordians were supposed to be Asian and the Gungans were supposed to be Japanese? Uh, in and of itself, I honestly wouldn't have a problem with it. I wouldn't have a problem at all with it. In fact, I might even a little bit be like, hashtag representation. It's cool that they're bringing those because I like the idea of in space, them not being monoculture. You know, them not being monoculture and having, like, very distinct things, like how we have very distinct things. The difference is in the characterization of it, of, let's say the Nemoidians were Asian, and they were, like, cool samurai that were noble and good. They're like, no, the Asians are sneaky. Like, oh, well, what about these Gungans? Maybe they're noble warriors who are, like, really smart and clever. To no, they are minstrels mm -hmm. and supposed to be stupid. And you're like, well, it's not just that you're making them these races because that'd be a-okay but instead you're taking like some of the most uh damaging stereotypes and then ascribing them to them and then that's where it becomes a little bit problematic 
Yeah, and, and so this is one thing I really wanted to ask about you because I did a lot of research. I, I tried my, I read like so many articles, and there's a vast array of opinions on this. There's people from from every type of race, people speaking mm-hmm. on this. Like there's there's people that are black and say this is completely fine. There are people that are black and say this is completely not okay. And you know, obviously, there's white people talking on it too. Like mm-hmm. there's such a wide array of opinions. So from my perspective, it, it almost seems like. You know, I just need to shut up and let other people talk about it. With that being said, though, I think the most the the most difficult thing about this situation, from my perspective, is the fact that this character is portrayed by a black man. And and maybe you can correct me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially reading a lot of his interviews and like the things he had talked about, and mm-hmm. I don't know how much you know, but like he had talked about, you know, he got so much backlash for the character. Yeah, so, like, I he, a couple of interviews with him. And I actually, I actually empathized with him when I saw the interview, and I think he talked about like how he had like you know West Indie like upbringing and things like that. And I, I, one of the things that I made sure, well, I tried to clarify was I a thousand percent don't think it was with Mouse of Forethought at all i think it was a classic case of it's the 90s it's the early 2000s there probably wasn't a black person in the writer's room to be like maybe we don't do that and everybody being like what in fact i think if there was a black person in the writer's room one person he might be like i'm gonna shut up because i don't lose my job (laughs) go on go do it (laughs) y'all i'll I'll take another section you know because that's the culture you know but it is now and 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 so i i think it's much much less of them doing it on purpose and instead them they probably said hey here's a goofy character he's supposed to be tumbling around he's got a funny accent what have you got and i think he just pulled that out and then they were like we've got gold and nobody stopped the train that's what i think it's a case of and 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 to hear him talk about it and the backlash for him, I think it's completely unwarranted. It's not like he wrote it. It's not like he did it. I honestly, when you watch the interviews, feel like he was, he and George Lucas and them were trying to create a character that the little kids will love and buy the action figures for. Look, he's bumbling. He's tumbling around. He talks funny. The kids will love him. And there was simply a blind side, yeah. which happens. There's simply a racial blind side, which is going to happen in the 90s. Right. Um, so, so I want to ask you this now. Um, you know, the the kind of the conceit of this podcast we're putting together is like how can we how can Jar Jar return to Star Wars and we be okay with it? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. a lot of people, most people take issue with just you know he's a he's a he's too silly. He makes fart jokes, you know. Um, so I, I think like obviously we want to cut that stuff back, but first and foremost, is it worth bringing Jar Jar back? Is this a character that we should let die and move on? And I think they should. Yeah, I think they should. I have thousands. Like, I I am in watching it. Hashtag justice for Jar Jar. And if you look at the second movie, when he comes back, he is much more grown up, much more. He was in he was in it a lot less, but like he wasn't falling over. He was, you know, more somber and, and more dignified. And I think we can bring back that Jar Jar. And not only that, I think we can kind of explain it like. Jar Jar was a young Gungan. Like, we don't know what Gungans are like in their aging. He 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 likely could have been like a silly old teenager. Like, you know, like if you grab like if you go to a middle school, like a high school, and grab a kid and like put him in a situation, like he might be as dumb as Jar Jar, you know? <laughs> like I think he was just like the average 
like 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 just a, a silly dumb guy but i think that there's definitely an area like you know in the back in the like the flashbacks that seem so popular now we can do like a dignified judge or maybe we see his kid and he's like hey don't be acting like that. Like, grow up, you know? I think we can definitely see that. I think there's room for maybe, like, either having a grown-up Jar Jar or maybe Jar Jar's son, where, like, he's, like, hey, guiding him and being, like, be, be more mature. We, again, if the portrayal wasn't so minstrel-like, I think Jar Jar would have been fine. Have somebody who's a different Gungan who isn't like that, who is part of the, the rebels, you know, and, and helpful. Like, let's say... I don't know, one of the people that had helped them, you know, in one of those more prequel Star Wars movies was just a Gungan, was just a helpful Gungan. I think that would have done a whole lot to dilute the, I'll say, negative legacy of Jar Jar. If we had more representation of Gungans that weren't, like, ridiculous. I love this take because you're able to look at it objectively and say, uh, we can totally do this thing if it's done the right way. And we can do more of it, too. I think that's mm -hmm. the incredible thing is, like, it doesn't even have to be like, oh, should we bring Jar Jar back? It's like, no, let's bring Gundams mm -hmm. back, right? You know, I, there's a book that came out uh, more recently that I, I listened to half of it. It was an audio book. You know, I'm, re I'm even back. Like, I don't <laughs> like reading. I'm not great at audio books either. I, listen to half I love of it. audio books. It's the only okay. way I can read a book. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, called, it's the High Republic uh, series of Star Wars books. And one of the, in that book, there's a character that's a Gungan minor character, but he's a villain. He's a bad guy. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take a planning like somebody didn't see it coming type of type of villain, you know, like where they're like, ah, look at those silly gooses. And then they're like, yeah, like, um, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever seen Steven Universe before. Uh, it's, it's there without going too much into it, like there's like a bunch of different gems and like some of them are have different functions. And one of them is like rubies who are like, you know, they're just like bodyguards. They're kind of dumb. They're kind of adorable. And then like they go through and they're very easily tricking them all throughout the episode. And then at the end, like one of them was like, you know, playing them the whole time. I was like, you didn't expect that from a Ruby. And I'm like, I love that kind of thing where like some, you have a certain expectation of somebody or something because of some sort of preconceived notion. And they're like, uh, I'm not like the other that you thought I was. I think that would be a brilliant thing to do with the Gungan. And it doesn't have to be Jar Jar. Like you said, a minor character who's kind of a villain. You're like, yeah, they can do other things. Yeah, very, very well said, George. Um, and again, I appreciate you so much for doing this. This is like, um, you, you've really shed light on things that, that, that I couldn't frankly speak on. So I do appreciate that. Is there any other final words on Jar Jar? Like anything you want to like leave people with and like, uh, yeah, any anything at all? Yeah. So one of the things that I would say, and there's actually two things that I would bring up about Jar Jar is number one, I... I'm not gonna say disappointed, but it's something that if they had, if they do it in like a one of those bring back the sequels type of things, like uh, like Obi Wan, and like they did show Jar Jar in a more dignified light, I think that would go over amazingly. It's something that like, it's not that I'm anticipating, but it would. It's something that I would really love to look forward to seeing is them having been in, in a good light. And the other thing is, I think that the portrayal of Jar Jar did more damage to Star Wars than we think it did. Um, because when you look at Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, uh, again, I, I think you got to see like five or six different like 
vastly different cultures. Again, we saw the Nemordians who looked very Japanese. We saw like Samoba who was like kind of like, you know, a greasy, maybe like Greek or like uh, Mediterranean type of guy. We saw the Gungans. And then after like the backlash of Jar Jar, I think when we look at Star Wars, we see a whole lot of monoculture. We see a whole lot of, there are just the, the empire where everybody's in all black. Maybe there's the farmers, but there's not too many, uh, I guess, civilizations where you would be able to look at Star Wars and look at that person, how they're dressed and how they act and be like, I know that's that civilization. I know that that's the civilization. And that's something I honestly would love to see. It's seeing very distinct cultures like, uh, in, uh, what's it called? In... Uh, Endgame. Obviously, you saw Marvel Endgame, right? Yes. yes. And the big scene at the end where all the different people come in. Yes. Those Wakandans show up. You know they're not Wakandans. The 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 those monks showed up. You know those are monks. You know those are Ravagers. You know that like they look very distinct and have those different cultures just on the visualization alone and be able to see like that they're different. And I feel like Star Wars doesn't have that. And they kind of really only focused on like those polars or those extremes because of the controversy and the race controversy of Phantom Menace. And I'm, I hope that one day they get past that. I hope one day they get past that and we see more distinct cultures. Cause I think that one of the things that Star Wars can do is show more than just humans in a galaxy far, far away. You can show more than just humans in a galaxy far, far away. I just got back from seeing Black Panther and, you know, like I was a little surprised because I just see a lot of Marvel movies. I was mm-hmm. surprised by how many young kids were in there, young black kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like, you don't see that, especially like on opening night. You don't like you go to the mm-hmm. Thor movie. You don't see young white kids running around. <laughs> you can tell how much it means to them to have their uh, race represented on the big screen. And like that was something that really touched me a lot. Oh, yeah. So I, If we can get that in Star Wars, I don't know what it looks like. However, we can make that work. I, I think yeah. all the better. They have a big opportunity for that. My kids, personally, when it was when they saw uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, uh, because uh, they're biracial, and they're like, that's the first time I've saw a biracial superhero on television before. Now feeling like bringing Jar Jar back in the right way is imperative? We checked in with Katie, a longtime friend of the podcast, to see if Jar Jar has some qualities that make him endearing. Is there some good in Jar Jar to rebuild his image on? Here's our interview discussing her opinions. We also tell you about the legend of George R. Binks and a very curious exchange we had with a comic book writer. Katie, I have to ask, what has been, like, I feel like we all have, like, our, as Star Wars fans, we all have our own journey with Jar Jar Binks, uh, you know, maybe maybe you grew up loving Jar Jar Binks, maybe you hated Jar Jar Binks, maybe it's been like a roller coaster like it has for me. What's like your journey with Jar Jar? Okay, so I'm a later in life Star Wars fan, so I came into the fandom a little later, so I already knew the vibe of Jar Jar, right? So when I first saw Jar Jar, I was like, I mean, I guess he's a little annoying, but he's not as bad as everybody makes him out to be. And then I kind of was like, actually, maybe he kind of is. And then I kind of started feeling bad for him. So I, I think I'm a little bit of a roller coaster myself. I, I haven't firmly solidified myself on like a pro or anti Jar Jar stance, but he does kind of tug on my heartstrings a little bit. 
That's one thing you said, because when I asked you about this, you mentioned this, and it's something mm-hmm. I hadn't heard a lot of people talk about, is that Jar Jar is a sympathetic character. And yeah. I think that's like, I think a lot of people, like, I mean, you know, I think it's very meta, too, in the fact that, you know, Ahmad Best is a sympathetic character, mm-hmm. and that, like, their stories very much marry each other, where they're both outcasts because of a thing they did or the way they act. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's really well said. So do you want to speak on that a little bit more? Yeah, and I feel like they're both kind of outcasts or blamed for things that aren't really necessarily their fault. Like, we meet Jar Jar, and he's already, like, exiled from his home with the Gungans. Like, he he's already, like, cast out, and then, uh, you know, Qui-Gon doesn't want anything to do with them. He finds him annoying, and it's just, like, throughout the story with Jar Jar, it's like he gets put into these situations where everybody's like, oh, this guy again, and it's like... You just have to kind of feel bad for him because he's just living his life. And then he just gets put into these situations where people either like don't want him around or he makes a mistake. And it almost feels like he can't help himself. And you have to kind of feel bad for him. Like it doesn't feel like regardless of what people think of like Jar Jar is the true Sith Lord or whatever, Darth Jar Jar. I don't know that I buy into it 100 percent. I really think that he's just easily manipulatable. And I just feel I feel bad for him. So is the goal with like looking at Jar Jar and, and the way, you know, to get everyone to feel sympathetic, do you go more into that? Do we just really dive into like kicking the puppy while it's down, kicking the Jar Jar puppy? And then the audience will be like, Oh, now it's not fun to make fun of Jar Jar. Now it's not fun to hate on Jar Jar. We have to love him. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, that's a good question. I mean, um, talking about the future of Jar Jar, it's like, you know, do you stay true to that character? Because Tommy, we've we talked about this a lot. You know, I think a lot of people's conclusion is like Jar Jar needs to come back as a Jedi Knight, right? Laura, like, you know, oh, like no. there has to be some grand like, but does that ruin the character of Jar Jar a little bit? Like, is Jar Jar like just kind of doomed for like an unfortunate uh like I w- w- I don't know. I, I mean, it might it might sour what Jar Jar is. I think Jar Jar as a Jedi would be actually horrible. Like, I would hate that. I would be really upset with that. To me, that's just not the spirit of Jar Jar. Whether he came back as, like, as a Jedi or a Sith, Sith obviously would, I feel, be a little fan service, and that's kind of, like, what the theories are, so it would really be leaning into that. But to me, it feels like leaving him as this middle-of-the-road screw-up guy who just keeps getting, like, the short end of the stick is truly the heart of Jar Jar to me that's just like that's his lot in life he's put in as um you know this like junior senator or whatever and just gets totally manipulated into basically creating the empire or having a huge hand in creating the empire because he's just kind of a screw-up and then you know I think from there it's just like whatever happens to him happens to him but I just don't think he's gonna like show up in some grand way and save the day or be so evil that he like takes everybody down. I just don't think he has it in him. I think whatever happens is going to be kind of like a mistake that he makes, which is kind of sad. Yeah. And, but I think that is Jar Jar. And I feel like if they focused on that and I think you hit on something that I think is really interesting is like, when we talk about Jar Jar, it always, the big, you know, card that everyone uses is, well, he, he gave the emperor emperor his power, but it's like, I think that's interesting how you worded it of he was manipulated. Like people focus yeah. that like it was an act of choice and he's this evil person for doing it. But it's like, we could be sympathetic at, for, at him for doing that. Like, Oh man, dude, you really wanted to make do good in the world and you were used as well. Yeah. Like to me, I think that's, that's probably what he was thinking, right? Like he thought he was doing the right thing. Cause he 
why would he have any idea what the bigger plan or the greater scheme is? We saw him like become a general in an army and just like totally bungle the whole thing up. So like, why would he then just be like, Oh, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to give emergency powers to the chancellor and just make him the emperor. Cause like I'm smart enough to do that. Like it just wouldn't make sense with the way his character is written. And usually that's how usually in most of the Jar Jar things I've seen in the clone wars and in a couple of the stuff, it's like he fucks up, but it somehow works out in the end. He it turns around, you know. Somehow his fuck up ends up leading to a better uh, future, and it ends up working out for him. And I feel like in this instant, it just ended on the mess up, and and then it was like, oops, bye, Jar Jar. Yeah, big. That's big time why moves. he needs to come back. Yeah, I think you've you've laid it out. Um, we we've we've closed on you know, especially you know, we won't get into the books right now, but we've closed on the theatrically his mistake and you know even basically everything that happens in phantom menace you know he trips yeah. and he gets something or you know it always leads to something positive you know his entire fight scene at the end when he's in the battle uh he's basically stumbling his way through to success and uh you know we saw the stumble now we need the success so. yeah i'm waiting for jar jar's success and i think if that success came super heavy-handedly like oh, all of a sudden he's a Jedi Knight. Like, that would make literally no sense. Like, I think if he maybe stumbled into saving somebody from getting killed or saving a, a ship from crap or something by accident, that would make total sense to me for Jar Jar. But having him come back in this grand way, that would just completely change the character and be a little, a little too off-brand for me, I think. Katie, I'm gonna go off script here a little bit. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you because uh, I don't know where I'm gonna fit this in the podcast, but I have to talk about it. Okay. okay. Um, Tommy, I've told you a little bit about this, but um, you know, I've you know I've been communicating with different people, sending out emails, seeing the, what the interest is here, and um, I ended up running across a comic book. It's a short comic book. It's like ten pages, maybe. It's called George R. Binks. George R. Binks is Jar Jar's father, and it's actually. Once again, a very sad and sympathetic story where he seems very stressed. You know, um, yeah, I won't go. In. I, I want people to read it. Basically, he lives a very sad life. He's not happy with his son Jar Jar. I think that gives a lot of credence to how Jar Jar is now. Um, but basically, so I emailed this guy. His name is Tony Millionaire, not his real name. He told me that first email. <laughs> first email. He told me his. I said, Hey, you want to come on the podcast? Love to have you. Want to talk about this? He, get, he, he replies back with his real name and says, don't ever call me this. And I didn't call him that, by the way. And I wasn't, I, I, and I would not have known that that was not his, <laughs> that that well, was really an called. interesting interaction already. But very sweet guy. Uh, he ended up listening to our podcast. He declined the interview. He said he had to get a pedicure that day, even though I did not specify a day. Um, but yeah, I just, I had to talk about George R. Binks um, <laughs> a little bit. What do you... <laughs> I'm gonna, Katie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you to look this up later. Just okay. very short. It took me three minutes to read, so uh, you gotta check it out. I think I've heard a little bit about this. I feel like I've seen maybe a panel or two from it. Is it? Is he on the beach at one point yes. or something? This I'm like picturing this, and it uh, from what I saw, it seemed like that was also a pretty tragic, sad story for for our guy Jar Jar. Well, I got another one for you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Uh, there, there is a group, you know, they're known for a different musical. They're called Star Kid. They did a very Potter musical. That's what they're known for. They also produced a parody called Annie. 
and it's all about Anakin Skywalker. And oh. uh, but without spoiling too much, Jar Jar is a part of it. Super tragic, I will say. Like it is a dark <laughs> musical, and uh, but it goes in that same way. Like what we're talking about of Jar trying to make Jar Jar sympathetic and, and looking at jar jar through a different lens instead of just looking at him as this buffoon and like uh making fun of him but more so oh man that sucks like you're really trying here yeah it just seems like from where he came from like even fresh he just almost didn't have a chance right like he never had a real chance to be successful or prove himself and even like when he was in the senate he kind of had a chance but he just went totally the wrong way and a lot of people blame him for what happened which i guess you can blame him but i don't think there's anything necessarily in in all of the star wars media that confirms that this was intentional so my belief is that it was completely unintentional and he was manipulated to give these powers because like look at him he's kind of like a he's like a dodo and off that i mean it didn't just start with it's not like palpatine was already great gathering power and everyone else let him get that power before then like what you know he was made chancellor all this other stuff Jar Jar just had the final pin, right. you know, but it's like, why does it all fall on him now? Right. He had like the finishing blow, but definitely didn't like beat anybody down before that. Yeah. I wanted to talk on this a little bit because I think there's an awesome parallel um, in the prequels and I, I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit on something you said, Katie. I don't yeah. Qui-Gon. Um, while there were, were elements of him that were annoyed, Qui-Gon went above and beyond for Jar Jar. He brought him into his little team um he never pushed him out like the gungans did True. and he wouldn't have gotten that senate seat if it weren't for him involving him in these situations so i feel like there's there's like this awesome parallel where like um qui-gon kind of took him under his wing and for good reasons and then on the other hand you get someone like palpatine who also took him under his wings and did the exact opposite with him so um you know it's star wars it rhymes guys mm. it's true <laughs> it's true that you make a good point you make a good point um okay um katie you know if 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 you were told you know tomorrow there's going to be a jar jar project maybe a jar jar special yeah uh, coming out on disney plus um what would what would you want that to look like um what you know is this like a prequel is it like you know uh, a comedy is it you know is it the future of jar jar is he like an old man um mm. wh where do you step what, what would you like to see it's a great question. I would love to, I want it to be more of maybe like similar to the vibe of Andor in that it's like a little darker and grittier and not as like Disneyfied. I don't want to see goofy Jar Jar. I want to see like what goes on in Jar Jar's mind. What is he thinking? Like, let's explore the tragedy of Jar Jar a little bit. Let's not like just make him this scapegoat for all of these things or make him just kind of like this foolish guy like let's really dig into like what motivates him and what he thinks like maybe maybe not in like present day Jar Jar but maybe after you know episode three and see how he deals with the fallout of what happened that he played such a huge hand in like did he even realize that he played such a huge hand maybe we can pick it up right after episode three when he's at um, Padme's funeral and see where he goes from there like that's what I want to see like obviously he was close to Padme what are his what are his thoughts like I I want to know let's like let's dig in there and let's see how he kind of unpacks this rising empire that he had such a hand in creating that's what I would like to see love it um yeah, let's green light it Disney <laughs> live action I don't necessarily want like Clone Wars style I would like to see more live action you know post episode three stuff on Disney 
Yeah, I think uh, I think that's an underrated complaint about Jar Jar. You know, so many people have issues with the Phantom Menace and his involvement, but uh, we talked about it before this. We skipped the Jar Jar episodes in Clone Wars. Full transparency. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not me. I was a true <laughs> Jar Jar stand from day one. <laughs> uh tommy do you have any anything else uh you want to touch on no i think it's interesting and and like we're talking about i think there are many different ways i do think like uh i think so much of the attention is on how much jar jar messed up and i think it's interesting to look at it from a different lens of like did he like yes but he always has been messing up why are we now like holding him you know uh, you know holding him against the, the the fire and being like how dare you it's like He's just being Jar Jar. This has always been him. Mm-hmm. Why are we now criticizing him for it? Even George Lucas, like, he went so heavy-handed on Jar Jar in episode one and then just completely... Jar Jar did what Jar Jar was supposed to do. That's how George Lucas wrote him. And he took the criticism and then completely sidelined poor tragic Jar Jar to, like, two cameos in each movie um, from there. And it's kind of like, well, he did what you wanted him to do that's how he was written that's the character that you made him and then you know people once again ridiculed him or whatever and he got pushed to the side so even his creator uh george lucas did the same thing that everybody in the story did to to poor jar jar so you know you feel pretty bad for him everyone's giving up on jar jar but you know who won't michael us here at star wars we're not giving up on jar 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 we're not we're, we're here with you we're gonna find you and we're not going to stop searching. I think I think the perfect way to look at this is, you know, whatever your issue may be with Jar Jar, um, like you said, he fulfills his role. Um, and his role is a clown, uh, frankly. Uh, he that That's what he was there to do. I mean, you think about, like, Star, this is Star Wars, you know? It's not too complex. There's the princess. There's the scoundrel. There's the clown. Okay, guys? The Trade Federation. It. Yes. <laughs> classic. <laughs> classic, classic fairy tale. Um, Katie, any final thoughts for you from you here? Uh, no, I don't think so. I just think, you know, justice for Jar Jar. I hope wherever he does end up, I know there's some media out there where, you know, he pops in and out, but I, I hope he gets his story tied up in a nice little bow and just ends up somewhere where he's not just completely like down and out. Like, let's get a little glimmer of hope for our guy, Jar Jar. That's, that's what I would like for him. He's been through a lot. He's been through a lot. Does Star Wars have their, like, their version of like a mall Santa? Because I feel like that could be a really good role for a Jar Jar Binks. I think he might get beat up by the little kids. <laughs> Pro- probably. But like, yeah. again, again, <laughs> it's a role for a Jar Jar. Yeah. Sympathetic clown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew I was close. Closer than Jar Jar wanted me to be. And I thought one Tony millionaire could help me finally hone in on where Jar Jar was. But he declined all my hollow projections. Luckily, we did get one of my favorite Star Wars influencers. This man has written articles for decades defending this character to his core. If he couldn't help us, no one could. The case would be over. Here is podcaster and writer Brian Young, our only hope. Okay, Brian Young, thank you so much for joining us here today. Um, you are like, you have to be one of the biggest Jar Jar defenders. I mean, I, I've found articles uh, from you uh, over dec- a, a decade back of, of you defending this character. And, you know, I think a lot of this podcast for me as well is also like, 
coming to my own love of Jar Jar because it's been a roller coaster <laughs> for me where like there were points where I like hated and resented Jar Jar. There's points now where I'm way more open to the character. Um, so first and foremost, um, just to start out, what is like something you can say to somebody like me? And I'm sure there's people that are listening to this that are going to be way more skeptical of Jar Jar. What, what is something that you can tell people to like be like, hey, you know, it's okay to not maybe not like Jar Jar, but at least appreciate him as a character? So I think there's the the big thing is the fact that Jar Jar is not supposed to be well liked. That's his role in the story. In the openings of Phantom Menace, he's rejected by everyone. And the only people who are able to treat him like a, a sentient being worthy of uh, existing is, is Qui-Gon, who's this iconoclast of a Jedi. No one around likes him. And it's in treating people with that respect and that dignity that actually helps win the day. And so Jar Jar's supposed to be obnoxious. Jar Jar's supposed to be that annoying, clumsy person that nobody quite wants around, but has value inherent in them and worth in them as a, as a person, no matter what. And we all have people that we know like that. Many of us are like that. I've got friends who will say, like, Jar Jar's their favorite character because they look at Star Wars and they see that they don't see themselves as Jedi. They don't see themselves as having that sort of power. They don't see themselves as Senator with that eloquence. They see themselves as those bullied clumsy kids in school that just needed someone to see that value in them. And that's why Jar Jar is their favorite because that's where they actually felt represented in star Wars. And so we were all like, for those of us who, grew up with star wars during the dark times right when like there was nothing coming out there was maybe like the role-playing game and the timothy zahn books right we were largely bullied for loving star wars as much as we did so i see in all of us that had to endure those years as as star wars fans as jar jar is an avatar for us that's how we were treated as Star Wars fans during those dark times. And sometimes that's how Star Wars fans get treated a lot. Um, you know, there's there's a very vocal minority on on online that treat anybody who likes The Last Jedi like they're Jar Jar, right? There's a very vocal minority of folks who, for a long time, if you like the prequels, they treat you like Jar Jar. There's a group of kids now coming up with the sequel trilogy as their movies and they're getting treated like Jar Jar in these in these spaces. So I think Jar Jar is representative of beings in the world that weren't finding their representation elsewhere in Star Wars. Yeah, no, uh, very very well said. Um, so we did have an interview here recently, and you know this is one thing. You know, I, I did my research as best as I could, but I could not find you talking about Darth Jar Jar. Do you have an opinion on this? Is this like completely harebrained to you? Um, what, what, what's your stance on this? I've avoided the the Darth Jar Jar debate for a long time because I think it's a fundamental misunderstanding of both Star Wars and Jar Jar. And it's because that Jar Jar's role in Star Wars is to be the the most lovable and the most loyal and genuine character in Star Wars. Um, Jar Jar's desire to help is what's manipulated by those around him or utilized by Palpatine, right? Like, his desire to do good matched with his lack of inform like intelligence or or whatever is what led to 
the creation of the clone army well not led to the creation of it led to the money to spend on it because they'd been created decades before um so so darth jar jar is sort of this fundamental misunderstanding of the character where it's like it's a bunch of edgelords who want everything in star Wars to be badass, And so that's the only thing they can think of to justify Jar Jar's existence. And I think it's, it's silly, but if they like it and they get joy out of that, awesome. Um, but it's, it's not for me. I really love Jar Jar's story as written in the text much better, right? Where like without Jar Jar, you don't get the empire losing on Endor. Yeah, so you you say something interesting there because this is like a take that, you know, from the interviews I've done thus far, um, a lot of people, because the point of this podcast is is to figure out where is Jar Jar, what's he up to now, can we bring him back, is it worth bringing him back? And a lot of the times when I ask that question about how Jar Jar could come back, a lot of people, they, they jump to he's a bounty hunter now, or, or maybe he truly is the Sith and he's going to come back. You know, it's, there's always like this, this spin on it. So if you bring Jar Jar back, you know, he is no longer Jar Jar. Like that seems to be the way people want it to be. Um, so I guess it's a two part question. You know, is there a space where Jar Jar can come back and be badass, or should he not come back at all? Uh, what's your stance on that? So, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I have, I have, uh, written some some material to pitch for some jar jar material so i don't want to get too much into um where i think he should be because i think there's definitely some stuff where he could come back if we're talking in the current era of the timeline i think there's a lot of people who are like nervous he might come back in the mandalorian or something and i think chuck wendig's interlude with jar jar in um, the aftermath trilogy is actually really poignant. And I actually talked to Chuck about this because there's some people who are, who are Jar Jar fans who feel like, like Chuck did them this great disservice, did Jar Jar this great disservice. And there's a lot of other Jar Jar fans who think it's this bittersweet, um, this bittersweet send off for the character. That's very, very poignant. And I'm, I happen to be in the latter camp, right? In that Jar Jar has gone back to Naboo after his Senate career is over, after the Empire's taken over. And what was this fundamental thing about Jar Jar and his character is that he was essentially a refugee. He was someone that no one wanted and no one made him feel welcome. And so he goes back to Naboo after his retirement and he goes to make sure that Naboo is taking in these kids that are refugees from across the galaxy and the Galactic Empire. And he's there making them feel like they're not so alone. And that, yeah, he's this clown. He's a clown, but he's acting the part of the clown, just like he acts the part of the clown throughout the entire Star Wars saga that he's a part of to make them feel at home and that they're not so alone. And I don't think there's anything more bittersweet um, or, or touching about Jar Jar going back and making sure that people didn't have to experience what he did, which is really at its core what, what Star Wars is about, right? Like people learning lessons to go make sure that people others don't have to endure the the trials and tribulations that they've had to. And um, so, yeah, I think it would be great to see more Jar Jar. I want to see more Jar Jar in a lot of different places. Like when you go back to cinema history and see what George Lucas was doing with Jar Jar, he was taking Buster Keaton routines and Harold Lloyd routines and Charlie Chaplin routines and depositing them almost 
shot for shot into Phantom Menace. So cinema fans, like fan, people that are really into cinema and cinema literacy, love Jar Jar because he's doing these classic silent film routines. And people who are like, eh, I didn't get Jar Jar tend to not have gone that deep into cinema literacy. And um, I would love to see short films, right? Short silent films with Jar Jar doing those silent gag routines, right? Like, I think that's the perfect place, especially when you think of all the great work that Star Wars is doing with their YouTube Kids channel, especially when you think about, like, just needing to have more content with Gungans and Jar Jar so that when little kids who inevitably love Jar Jar look up Jar Jar on YouTube, it's not just full of people with Jar Jar's head on a platter. Yeah, no, very well said. That would uh, that would be a lot of fun. You know, I, I, th I think... Uh, Disney Plus especially is kind of heading in this era of like, you know, we can try out this, you know, uh, this Grogu short uh, or, you know, yeah. Werewolf by Night, you know, like they can try more interesting things in a smaller setting. And I think that's very well said. I, I think that that would be a perfect uh, way to, to bring him in here. Um, I did have a question uh, for you because a lot of the discourse too, as well as um, you know, what, what was the original intent for Jar Jar? Because I think a, a lot of people, you know, I more so theorize the fact that, you know, they cut Jar Jar out of the second and third film more so than they had planned to have him. So do you have an opinion on like, or, or do you know anything? W was there a greater plan for him in the movies and was it cut back for the backlash? So I don't know where he would have fit in the future movies. I think George Lucas used him the way he wanted to. I think he probably cut down the size of his role in Attack of the Clones, but I don't think there was anywhere for him to have fit in Revenge of the Sith one way or the other. Like, no matter how you cut it, like, he's just not a player in that in that scale. Um, and, you know, I mean, George Lucas sort of jokingly gave the working title of Attack of the Clones, Jar Jar's Big Adventure. And that's what he circulated at, out to cast and crew and stuff. And I do think he got a little gun shy about it. Um, and, and probably, yeah, it trimmed Jar Jar a little bit in Attack of the Clones. I don't think that is as much the case. I mean, is there a more heartbreaking shot in Revenge of the Sith than when Jar Jar's at Padme's funeral? It's really heartbreaking. Um, but as far as as far as Jar Jar's overall story, I think the tone was going to shift naturally between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. When you look at what George was doing with Phantom Menace, it was very much a kid's movie. And it was never more like exemplified for me than when I showed my daughter the Star Wars movies. And we watched four or five. And then after Empire, I kind of pulled her aside and, and her mind was sort of blown. And she was she was um, six and a half at the time. And I was like, who do you think is lying, Darth Vader or Obi-Wan Kenobi? Because that's the big thing, right? Like somehow in my life and with her older brother being named Anakin, she had escaped the spoilers and she didn't know. And she was very firmly in the Darth Vader was lying camp. Then we watch Phantom Menace and it's a kid's movie. And it's like, obviously that little kid I saw that's just like me is not Darth Vader. So Vader's lying and there's no two ways about it. And Jar Jar was part and parcel of that kid's movie ecosystem, right? And when Attack of the Clones grew up to more teenage angst and drama, um, 
Jar Jar kind of faded into the background, but also he had a really interesting, you know, an interesting side point that's really well made. Like actually, I mean, not to get too political, but like after the, the 20, um, 2016 election, Jar Jar really helped me understand Trump voters, right? Where just they didn't have the information and they thought what they were doing was right. It helped me give grace to a lot of people that I thought had voted for something really vicious, right? Um, I don't think they deserve that as much anymore, <laughs> but um, but Jar Jar filled that role really well, right? Like he's a, he's a useful idiot, which is is sort of the the political term for it, and you learn from that right you're you're supposed to learn that lesson that we need to know what we're doing we need to know and have that awareness and not um not just give these people who keep craving power more and more and more and more power um i don't know i i think as far as jar jar's role i think it was a very fitting one that the character who was the clown and the comic relief um, is the one who ultimately hands Palpatine his power. And I think that's a very potent message. So whatever George's original plan was, um, it almost doesn't matter because I really love what we got, right? Because if we went by George's original plan, we would have had the adventures of Deke Starkiller and, um, you know, a much more Phantom Menace-like movie to start with and and everything would be different. And, and the different iterations of creation of Star Wars are very fascinating to me. But ultimately, it's it's really about what did we get? How do we examine what we got and analyze it and illuminate the story in other ways with with that? Awesome. That felt like yeah. a very rambly answer. I have no, no idea no. if I answered your question. No, that's perfect. Um, yeah, I love what you said about, you know, I, like because a lot of people don't lay it out like that. Phantom Menace is a children's movie, and you you mentioned your son's name is Anakin. My daughter's middle name is Ray. I couldn't I couldn't push the first name on my wife, but I got the middle name. Um, and I'm I'm so impressed that you were able to keep the twist a secret because that's like my biggest fear as a father and Star Wars fan that that somebody at school is going to tell them before they can watch it, you know, um, yeah. or, or like truly understand and process it. So uh, that that's very fun. Um, is there anything else here as we start to close out? Is there any like Anything else you want to leave people with? Are there any like Jar Jar fun facts that you had, that you, like little known things that people should know? I think one of the big things about Jar Jar is that we give a lot of credit to Andy Serkis and Gollum for motion capture animation. But a lot of that credit is actually due to Ahmed Best and Rob Coleman and the guys at ILM, right? They were scrapping that like they they cobbled together motion capture animation as we know it today as a last minute fix to make sure phantom menace got put out on time and they weren't thinking about the marketing of it and the folks for lord of the rings really keyed in on that and they were like no no, no this is this is actually real acting and here's this motion capture animation and they're the ones who marketed it so andy circus gets a lot of credit for the performance capture technology and the height of those performances that we see today that people are really invested in and jar jar is the one who's actually that pioneer jar jar is the one that deserves that credit and Ahmed best is as well for all of his work i mean he wasn't just jar jar as well he was doing motion capture for all the gungans he was doing motion capture for battle droids he was that that um that that swiss army knife 
motion capture artist that Andy Serkis had become, you know, years before Andy Serkis did. And uh, so I think Jar Jar has this really important role in film history, um, both the touchstones of film history that he touches with his performances, like with silent films and with his place in digital cinema. And, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Whether you like him or not, it's undeniable that he had an, an indelible, he's left an indelible mark on the technology of cinema. Yep. And, you know, I, I had read, uh, I believe, I believe it was in your article um, in Defense of Jar Jar uh, in uh, uh, Den of Geek. And you, you, you said something along the lines of, you know, a lot of people's complaints about Jar Jar is that he's annoying. Nobody complains about the like the fact that he is a CGI character, which you know even today now we, when we find out oh this movie is going to have a fully CGI character, people groan, right? The, yeah. It's like uh, the fact that he did it first, and th that's not even a talking point is truly incredible. So yeah, that, good that was a story. Um, I talked to Rob Coleman, who was the animation director, and I did an interview with him, and he he told me about how like crestfallen he was after the first press tour for Phantom Menace, and uh, he was going from New York to San Francisco with George Lucas on George Lucas's private jet after the press junket, and he said George kind of walked in with this stack full of newspapers with all the reviews. And uh, Rob Coleman was just depressed. He's like, he got very, he, it was very clear to him very quickly that nobody liked the movie, right? Um, in, in his opinion, nobody liked the movie. And George kind of called him back and he's like, hey, have you read all these reviews? And he's like, ah, you know, enough to know they didn't like it and stuff. He's like, well, one of the things that George pointed out was that no one complained that Jar Jar wasn't real. Right. Their complaints were Jar Jar was annoying, which was the point of the character and exactly what George asked Rob Coleman to do. But that he wasn't uh, no one didn't believe him in the space. The other thing he told him was that, you know, this movie wasn't made for these film critics. He said, you know, I could put you at a card table in any mall in America and you'd have a line of kids lining up to meet the guy who, who made Jar Jar Binks. And that's the way it's going to be. And he was like, ah, you know, that's nice of you to say. And then cut to 10 years later and Rob Coleman's at uh, Walt Disney World, like Star Wars weekends. And there's kids lined up around the block trying to meet him because he's the guy who made Jar Jar Binks live. And it was just like George Lucas knew who he was making that movie for. And it wasn't film critics. It was for himself. It was for his kids. And it was for that mythology of kids. And Jar Jar is, is so much an important component of that, 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 I don't know, Jar Jar is very much Star Wars to me as much as Chewie or the Millennium Falcon or anything else I can name. Right. Uh, well, Brian, this was uh, re really insightful, a lot of fun talking to you. I, I appreciate you making time to do this with us. Um, any final thoughts? Um, just, you know, remember that Jar Jar, if he's not your thing, there's plenty of other Star Wars for you. Don't recognize that there's a lot of kids out there who love Jar Jar. There's a lot of adults out there now who love Jar Jar. There's a lot of adults who were kids when Jar Jar was their first experience with Star Wars. And so is it fair to them to tell them that they're somehow wrong in their enjoyment of Star Wars? I don't, I don't think it, it is um, a good thing to do, right? We want to be as inclusive as we can in this big tent of Star Wars fandom. And um, saying nasty things about Jar Jar Binks doesn't uh, 
it doesn't make people want to stick around. Now armed with all our research, Michael and I met in a big conference room. Lights were set dimly. We saw another figure in the room as we entered. One half of the Two Dudes Watch Cartoons podcast, Alex Brizard. He wanted to help us on our mission, having done a similar project in the past about a dark night of their own. Together, we make our final verdict on where Jar Jar is. Okay, Alex Brizard, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, you know, it has been a, a very long podcasting experience for us. Uh, I feel like uh, there have been some high highs and low lows. We've learned a lot. We've gotten a lot of opinions. I feel like, Tommy, maybe you could speak for this. Uh, we're a little jumbled right now. There's a, we, we got a lot on the mind. I have a lot of mixed feelings. Yeah, I think we've we've heard a lot of different takes and and. You know, I think I, I'm in one direction, and one person will be give me a convincing uh, uh, pitch for something else. But I, we've been in this for so long. I think I'm starting to get some web feet, Michael, uh, being well, in this Jar Jar world. Look at this. That's why you guys have brought me in. We're here to review all of the notes, take a look at every angle, and we're going to sit down, look at all the evidence, and we're going to come to some conclusions and, and see kind of what we think uh, is the next chapter for Jar Jar Banks. So... Start us. Why don't we start at the beginning? What were your feelings before we started on this journey of Jar Jar and, and uh, his possible return? So I, I'd love to because I feel like it, because just you know spoiling my my theory here a little bit, it's completely different from where I started. And where I started was it, you know in hindsight it was just the wrong perspective to have about Jar Jar. Uh, it, it so you know I had this vision in my head of like you know, we have like this overly silly Jar Jar Binks and nobody liked that. Nobody liked the jokes. It didn't work. Um, so my thought was like, you got to go in the other direction. If he's coming back, like he's coming back with an eye patch and a cloak and a blaster and he's like a bounty hunter, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's just cool as can be. Um, so that's where I was. And just again, letting you know, that's not where I'm at now. Mm, okay. And I think for me, I was in either a place of like, I don't know if he, could be brought back or should or slash like if you do just go for the tragic like i think i was on the side of like the tragic senator who made a grave mistake and was was ridiculed by everyone and hated and and kind of go for the sympathetic route was if you're going to i think you have to try to make focus on the sympathetic natures of jar jar mm, okay okay these are good for my notes okay now O'Rear. You uh, brought up something interesting. You started with one perspective and have totally shifted here. Why don't you outline for me what was the moment where you started to change your mind? And was it a piece of evidence, what someone told you? So it was a conversation we had with Brian Young that really turned me. And, um, you know, we were just coming off the Darth Jar Jar uh, talks. And, you know, I've never been completely sold on that. But he said something that really put it in stone for me was that, like, Stop trying to make Jar Jar a badass. He's not a badass. He's not a Sith Lord. It's not part of the canon. There's nothing in there that says he's a Sith Lord. People are holding on to this. They're trying to make Jar Jar cool. That's not who Jar Jar is. That's not the intentions of the character. He never has been like that, and he never will be like that. And mm. I feel like that was like kind of like an acceptance for me where I was like, oh, you know, Jar Jar's not a badass. That's not the character. Uh, the theories that support it are kind of, there's holes in it, uh, obviously, because it's just not a thing. Um, and yeah, I don't know. 
uh, Tommy's giving a look on that. <laughs> With, when I throwing it out completely, I guess. I liked it's it's hard because I I do hear you when we were talking like Brian had really good points with that of like I think there is like and this is where I keep going back and forth there's like two angles you either go for the focus on the endearing the sympathetic kind of where I was where you focus on that side of Jar Jar or you do make him like this like you give him a, a reason for it all and like the Darth what I like about the Darth Jar Jar theory is it makes all of that makes sense it validates that behavior because it's like it gives him the awareness of it's not just this weird thing it's like oh no he was calculated doing all those actions and uh responses to people so it's like i want to believe in that but i i do hear what you're saying michael it's like is, is does it does it fit jar jar is that just a new, new entirely different character yeah, this is this brings me back to the conversation we had with George, right? Um, a lot of his thing was, you know, it's not bad to mirror cultures, right? It's not a bad thing. And in fact, it can be a very good thing. Um, but it's all in the nature that you handle it. And when you bring Jar Jar in, and he's just the guy that's constantly making mistakes. And he's also kind of, you know, there's there's evidence to suggest that he's based on a Jamaican personality. Um, and then like, he's just the idiot, you know, like, I feel like that's where we, and, and there's like this, this tightrope walk that you'll have if, if they bring him back where it's like, yes, his character, that is his character true to himself is he's constantly making mistakes, but we also, I think that's the thing. I think that's what we're looking for here is uh, show intentionality, but also still like that childlike, you know, bewilderment if you will this is good i didn't have that okay so boys what's the timeline here when was the last time we did see jar jar just for my notes uh well we had, we had an incredible reading from a friend of the podcast devin stone um who uh outlines where jar jar is in the aftermath book and the after or i think it's the second aftermath book but in that book it takes place after the fall of the empire, which is interesting because last time we see him is in revenge of the Sith. And we know he survived throughout the original trilogy after the fall of the empire. And he, uh, obviously there's no more Senate for him. He, uh, is banned. He, he can't go back to the Gungans because they don't like, uh, the decisions he made in giving the emperor power. And, uh, he's kind of outcast and he's living on the streets of Naboo and he is kind of a clown. He performs for the kids, um, and he he finds a young boy, and they become friends. So that's kind of where we leave him. He's just kind of like making friends and being a clown on the streets. Which again, I think I think that's kind of a sweet send off for the character, where like you know he's using his again. If you're going to find intentionality within the bewilderment, you need to have a point to it. And he was able to do that by like, hey, this is my thing. I make people happy. I am silly. Yeah, instead of him trying to become, like, the senator, trying to do all these things, it's like, just, he found his purpose, you know, even if it was just making this kid smile, making this kid, I think that's an interesting thing, right? It's like, I think what we're touching on, uh, intention, like, make make it make sense, make it, don't, the, the answer to Jar Jar's bumblingness should not be, well, it's funny, that's not, that's not good enough anymore. It needs to have a purpose. It needs to have we're we're further in storytelling than we were then too. We our humor, I'd like to think, has gotten uh, classier and and not just like ah yes, bumbling idiot is funny now. Like, but that sentimental side, I think, is like I think pushing that the endearing natures of Jar Jar. Because we talked about it with Katie, like Katie had some really good points about the endear endearingness of 
uh, Jar Jar and how in a way if they focus on that instead of having everyone laugh on them, it could have been a whole different perspective on Jar Jar. Mm, I see. You know, I'm looking over everything here and I need an honest answer from you boys. Would bringing Jar Jar back just be a cheap trick, a ploy to to at the nostalgia like we've seen with all these remakes? I don't know. I, I what am I, talk me out of it. One of my favorite things about the Star Wars franchise is the thing I don't love about the MCU is they don't leave stories open ended. Um, every character dies, right? Uh, ex- excluding the final movie, which. You know, you can make an argument that sooner or later they will close those stories out as well. But Jar Jar is like the one thread in these movies that, it, you know, I guess we kind of get a closing for him. Mm-hmm. But in Star Wars, like death is always the end in Star Wars. And, you know, I don't want to see Jar Jar die per se, but um, it does, you know, I think if for more than most characters, there's more to be told. Right. I mean, we get the solo movie and it's like, you know did we really need the solo Han Solo died? You know, do we really need to like go back into this character and just continuously milk it? Um, I feel like there is that solid line and it's death for me. Yeah. I think for me, it's making sure it isn't exactly what you're saying. Like if they are going to bring Jar Jar back, it cannot just be for like the quick cameo. It cannot be the nostalgic finish his story. If you're going to bring him back. Don't just have it be like a nostalgic cameo where it's like, ah, oh, yes, ah, good classic Jar Jar. He's still there. Like, give me depth to the character. I think picking the right series, picking the right movie is very crucial in bringing mm. back Jar Jar in this way. And I think with any character, if you're bringing someone back, I want to learn something new about that character or have them grow in a new way. There needs to be forward progress in some way. And I think that would be important to me. It, 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 and if they don't reach those things, and I do agree with you, of like, then don't do it. Don't mm. don't give me ten percent Jar Jar. Give me the full Jar Jar. Full Jar Jar. I will say real quickly because um, this reminds me of another piece of media that I really love, and somebody handled it really well. Breaking Bad ends with mm. Jesse Pinkman. Sorry, spoilers. I guess um, Jesse Pinkman. He has a completely fine ending in that show, um, but we come back with a movie, El Camino. Mm. And it's just as good. You know, that ending was great. And then it gives a second ending. And that is also great. And I I mean, obviously, I think that's the, the, you know, that's the linchpin here. Let's hope that it's good, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. yes, the aftermath ending can be a great ending. But there can also be another ending. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, let me go the other way. Do we just have a full Disney Plus series titled Jar Jar? Is that where what we need? We touched on this a little bit with Brian Young. Um, I think that um, I don't know to answer your question. Do not give us a torture series. Okay. Um, I think okay. a cameo works well. Or the other thing is, which Disney Plus has been do- doing really good about Tommy. We just watched Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Give us a special presentation, maybe mm, like an hour long okay. thing. And maybe it is, you know, maybe it's not like, you know, this sympathetic story. Maybe it's just like a goofy little movie, you know, mm. and maybe that's, all we need maybe it doesn't close up maybe it's just the adventures of jar jar maybe it's something super simple like that or even you know we just saw t- two shorts of, of count dooku and uh ahsoka do we do a small three-part jar jar mm. short tales of the gungan i'm telling you mm, i see i see well i mean you guys have gathered a lot of good info here what would you say is your most uh important or crucial piece of evidence 
as to where the future of Jar Jar lies. Well, the big one for me was Brian Young saying that he's working on pitches for the character. Uh, that one kind of blew me back a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, that tells me that, like, again, I mean, Star Wars is ever-growing, for better or for worse. Um, they're constantly expanding on characters, um, and I, I think that's the evidence right there. I, I think that's the thing. I think I think the return of Jar Jar is just inevitable. I think it's going to happen in some capacity at some point. Um, so... Yeah, I think the big question for me is just how. Mm. Well, I I know like Greg Greg brought up the the rumors, and the fact is like that he was potentially going to come back sooner than we thought could ruin the whole thing. But the the whole idea of that is like people jumped on that. I think that shows that like people do want Jar Jar. They're not like uh rolling their eyes. Like people mm. were excited for that. So I think to me that shows uh, Disney, you know, the people that be that like you can do it again in the right way. And I think like, just be very thoughtful about the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Look, I'm a professional. I put my personal feelings aside on every case, but I love Jar Jar. God damn it. I've loved him since I was a child. Oh, I want to see him boys. I, I we've, we've kept this strictly facts so far. Give me your opinion. What, what do you want to see? What is your ideal version of the return of Jar Jar. Uh, so I, I'm going to throw it back. Um, El Camino. Um, mm. I, I think that there, that is a very good template for what we could do. A short one hour final adventure for Jar Jar where it's true to the character, number one, but he also is successful because as we've talked about, Tommy, all of his mistakes end up paying off somehow. Um, and in the films, we kind of ended on a mistake. Um, and I think we, I think he still needs that redemption. I think we do need redemption for Dar Jar Jar here. And, um, whether it's like something really small, maybe there's like, you know, a gang on Naboo that he, ha he encounters and has to take down. Um, or maybe it's something more galactic than that. Um, but I, I think that he needs a mission. He needs to be true to himself and he needs to be successful at the mission. You know, and, and we we didn't talk about our ideas beforehand, Michael, but uh, very similarly, I think the move is Jar Jar, again, it has to end on a win. He has to have some success here, and I think it's either in one of the TV shows, maybe like an Andor or something, where it's like he gives intel to the Rebels. I think he has something from his time in the Senate, his time with Palpatine. He has some information that he is able to give that benefit the rebellion and leads to the success. And you could even see leads to the demise of the empire. He finally uh, fulfills, you know, he, he makes back giving the emperor all the power that everyone always, always pushed onto him as the only person that did that. Uh, now he can make amends by, by taking down the emperor in some way by giving this information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see that. I can see both those. That's exciting. Like I said, I'm a professional, not going to let my personal feelings get into this though. So, I mean, we've covered a lot here. You guys have given me a lot of good evidence, given me a lot of good personal theories as to what could happen. What What am I missing? What, what have you guys not told me that we need to cover uh, before we finish here? I think uh, the biggest things talking to George was like the whole like get rid of the bad tropes and 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 make and I think like you know we I keep repeating it but the whole like don't do something just for the the joke of it. Don't lean into stereotypes we're past we're past that 
let's continue, you know, down a, a good path. And I think with Jar Jar, we can really do that. Mm. That's good. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much, and I, I think a big point, and I think that if we're going to walk away with anything about this character is that Jar Jar, there's a little piece of all of us in Jar Jar. Uh, we've all made mistakes. We've all been the bumbling idiot. Um, we've all been outcast in some way. Uh, even the people that aren't like, you know, I was a nerd in high school, but like even like the popular people, like everyone experiences that feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that's really understated about this character and really, really important. I think that we are all, all Jar Jar. Well, boys, you've worked hard on this case. I can tell you've put blood, sweat, and tears into everything you've done here. So let me tell you, your work is appreciated, taking this to the higher-ups, and I promise you, we will get to the bottom of this. What we learned on this adventure is there is no right or wrong way to look at Jar Jar. Whether you think he should return a gritty warrior or the street clown on Naboo. Your opinion is valid. This character strikes emotion in people in ways I have never seen. Overcrowded disdain or undying love. And let's be real, is that what being a Star Wars fan is all about? I challenge you to form your own opinion on Jar Jar. I challenge you to ponder whether or not he could return. I challenge you to think of the time you felt like the banished clown. Because whether you're blessed and privileged, whether you just made the biggest mistake of your life, even if you feel alone and isolated, just like Jar Jar, it gets better. From our highest highs to our lowest lows, we are all Jar Jar. Thank you all so much for tuning into this labor of love. It took a month of studying, interviewing, and editing to pull this thing off. So if you made it to the end of this podcast, that makes you a real one. And we are eternally grateful. If you'd like to support the podcast, we'd love to have you rate, review, and subscribe because it truly does help the show. And finally, I wanted to thank everyone who helped us with this podcast, and we couldn't have done it without them. I'd like to thank Jake O'Rear, Devin Stone, Greg Dunlap, George Thompson, Katie Smalling, Brian Young, Alex Brizard, and Luke McGee, and each and every single one of you for supporting the show.